Steve Allen. Morning, Merry Christmas. I'll be the first one to wish you that. You watch. 18 weeks' time, 17, 16. Well, you'll all be saying it. Might as well start the catchphrase going. Monday morning, that weekend never goes long enough, does it? It's never long enough. You start off with all good intentions on a Friday going, I'm going to do this, I'm gonna t-, and I didn't do anything. I did, I, well, I did do loads of things over the weekend, but I didn't, I didn't actually sort of feel that I'd done anything. But I did do loads of, you know, you know when you sort of, you come back on the Monday, in fact, I climbed into bed last night, I climbed to bed a bit later than usual, and, and before I knew what had happened, the blooming alarm had gone off, and I was in the middle of a dream, and the dream consisted, I can't remember all of it, it consisted of me trying to find a Mini in a parking lot that was mine, and the garage had said they'd left out, and, and I'm going around, I'm going, where's the car, where's the car, I can't find the car, and I was looking for it in this parking lot, it's obviously one of those random... But somebody will interpret that as being, you know, you feel as you've got something, you've lost it. Anyway, so I'm, I'm looking for this stupid mini. And then just as I find it in a neighbour's garden, I wake up. So I've never discovered what the whole story was about the blooming mini, but I know I was, I was obviously deeply worried by it. I was deeply worried by a letter. I was going home on the train on Friday and I picked up a copy of the Metro. And, and I love reading the letters. I mean, some of the letters, I'm sure that people write them because they're just so stupid. And this one I had to cut out because I wasn't sure if it was a joke letter or if it, if it was a serious letter. And it comes from somebody called M. West in Yorkshire. Best place for them, as far as I'm concerned. So they wrote, I am disgusted. Wait for this. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I am disgusted at the Paralympics so far. Not only were the torchbearers given silver torches and silver cauldrons to light, unlike the Olympics' golden ones. Are they not good enough for gold? They got an opening ceremony that sounded more like a science lesson from a middle school teacher. Also, are the Paralympics not good enough for the BBC to show? They left it to Channel 4, which unbelievably and disrespectfully had had advertisement breaks during the performance. This is not what our good sportsmen and women deserve at all. I'm very disappointed and upset they've been treated so unequally. You stupid person. Just as well, you heaven for an advert. Can you imagine on a commercial station. You must be the dimmest person in Yorkshire, M West. I mean, you just. I mean, first of all, it's love here, and the opening ceremony sounded more like a, a, a science lesson from my middle school teacher. You stupid, disrespectful Stephen Hawking. You disrespectful old baggage. Don't you realise that he's one of the greatest people in the entire universe? And then. They say, and they say, are the, are the Paralympics not good enough for the BBC? They didn't want it. They didn't want it. And so it had to go to Channel 4. Oh, Diddums up in Yorkshire. What's the matter with you? You stupid person. Gee, you can't believe somebody like that. I'm surprised they could even spell. And the disrespectful advertisement breaks on a commercial station. Good grief. How else do you think they're supposed to fund it? I suppose, of course, you were, you were more than happy with the BBC spending £27 million of your money. That means you'll be stuck with repeats of the Antiques Roadshow. You'd probably like that in Yorkshire, wouldn't you? You're probably an antique yourself. This, and also, it was silver and not gold. Oh, grow up, for God's sake, honestly. Stupid person. Should we take a guess? What do you think? It's a man or a woman? Man or a woman? I think, I think it's a sad, lonely man who sits there with no friends and perhaps a cat next to him, staring out of the window going, it's very disrespectful. And adverts, advert, on the television, adverts. How's an advert disrespectful? He made it sad. He's obviously one of these people who goes, goes to church, but only goes once. He probably only has ever been once in his life. I spoke to a woman once. She was furious at Christmas. You know why? She was furious because people went to church only at Christmas. And she said, I've sat in that same pew for years. And people came in and they were sitting in my seat. And I said, but they're, 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 going, to, they're going to 
church at Christmas. What's the matter with that? She said, but I go all the time. Like it was a, like it was a given right. I said, you could sit anywhere in a church. It doesn't make any difference. God doesn't, God doesn't go, oh, she's not in her right seat. All good stuff. Anyway, I hope you had a good weekend. Thank you to Ray. I always arrive into an envelope. I haven't even opened this one, actually, this morning, Ray. So it's always an excitement. I love opening envelopes. I love getting gifts. I love getting gifts. And, of course, uh, over the weekend, we lost Max Bygraves. He was 89, I think, Max Bygraves. In fact, we were out on Saturday, because, you know, we did the, uh, the drive in the car for Andy and Zoe, who had bid uh, for me to drive them round for an hour. We did about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes, I think, something like that. We just drove around, actually. It was quite pleasant. But it was very pleasant. And we sort of chatted away, and they'd been listening to the show for a long time. And, I mean, they're probably up now, or she'll probably podcast. I think they, they podcast everything. They podcast everything. And so we ended up dropping them at the Savoy and had a you know very, very nice, very, very nice time. Well, I hope they had a nice time anyway. And, uh, and it was during that that the news came through that Max Bygraves had died. So I said to him, I said, Max Bygraves has died. 89. I knew that Blossom had died a short while ago. And, of course, the papers today talk about disrespectful in Yorkshire. They've now started digging up the fact that he had, you know, other children, apart from the ones with Blossom, because, uh, because he'd, he'd been around a little bit. And uh, he was like loads of people. He was like loads of people in those times. I mean, I know it seems awful to say, but for God's sake, let the man rest in peace. Let him rest in peace. 89, he worked hard. He was the Queen Mum's favourite entertainer. She loved Max Bygraves. I want to tell you a story. And then you go, you're a pink toothbrush, I'm a blue toothbrush. And there was uh, a programme that came out, an arena show, in 2001. He said, interestingly, the lovely uh, house he owned on the cliffs in Bournemouth, turns out Ed Stewart was his neighbour, and there's clips of uh, that as well. Oh, how lovely. How lovely. How interesting. You should have Arlene Phillips as your in-conversation this week. Speaking of old-age dementia. dementia. Uh, Barry Cryer, great as always, and thank you for mentioning Mrs Shufflewick. Have to mention old Rex, don't we? And that was the, he said that was the first DVD that I sent you. He said, I saw Barry uh, at the Queen's in Hornchurch last year. Barry Cryer was doing his uh, one-man show. Ray, thank you for that. Always good to hear from you. Always good. Actually, strange enough, by, by another coincidence, I had a letter from uh, Daniel. Daniel was the man who directed the George Formby documentary. And uh, he sent me a stick of Formby rock. And he says, you were talking about your admiration for Liberace, and you said you thought he came to the UK at the Festival Hall. Because he's on one of the DVDs. It's a three-box set of Liberace, and one of them is the Festival Hall. He says, you may be interested to know that in 1959, he played the closing week of the Chiswick Empire, uh, before it was just demolished to make way for a hideous office block in Chiswick High Road. Yes, I know. I never actually was alive to see the Chiswick Empire. I've seen the pictures of it. Mind you, you want to get a book about Soho. It's got pictures of Leicester Square with the biggest theatres, everything. Leicester Square was the entertainment hub. It was fantastic. But, going back to Daniel's letter, he said, uh, an act of unforgivable architectural vandalism. This is, I mean, the, you know, could they not have kept the Chiswick Empire and all these beautiful theatres? I mean, next door to us here at Global, next door to the Odeon, there was a huge, huge theatre, the Alhambra. It was vast. It went from the front to the back. Now, surely, as opposed to pulling these places down, couldn't they just refurb them? Because if you look round Leicester Square, a lot of the tops of the buildings are exactly the same as they were in the 1800s. You know the most original piece in the square? The fountain in the middle. That was there in 1834. But I digress. And Daniel sent me in a picture or a, a photocopy of uh, the Chiswick Empire poster 
for Liberace. I have that poster. I, I possess that poster. And I bought it from the British Musical Society years ago. And I'll tell you what I paid for it. I paid a fiver. I gave them ten. It was that they asked for a fiver and I gave them ten pounds. I thought it was worth ten pounds. And it's the Chiswick Empire with uh, Mr Showmanship himself. Twice nightly, 6.30 and 8.40. And uh, it's the Liberace poster and I've had it all framed up. It's, it's quite big. As posters go, it's the size of a, of a very, very large television. A very, very large television. And I, have it. I hadn't heard of any of the people on there. Johnny and uh, Sumia Lamont, Alan Kemble and Christine, the Embassy Girls and George Meaton. Because with all the variety shows, as anybody listening will tell you, over the age of 35, I should imagine, uh, the top of the bill, Liberace, would only have come on and done 20 minutes. So you'd have the first half of the show, and then you'd probably have a second half, or he might even have done just the hour for the second half. So they never did the whole evening. It was the top of the bill, and so you got all your your average stuff to start with, and then you got the person you'd come to see, which was Liberace. But I do have, Daniel, that poster. In fact, strange enough, I looked at it again this morning. I look at it every day, every single day. Loads of stuff which I've got for the uh, for the free podcast. I had to laugh. I had to laugh. There was an interview with uh, with Ken Livingstone, talking politics, pond and pollution and he says and he says in this headline which was in the i think it was in the sunday mirror women say that boris makes them laugh but would you leave him alone with a woman this is ken livingston with five children with what is it three different women five different women i thought no it's a case really <laughs> we want to leave you alone with women in a room goodness sake honestly ken talk about pot kettle and black terrible 13 no 14 minutes past four monday morning Nice to have you company. Hope you're well. Hope you had a good weekend. The weather was good, wasn't it? I, d- I did do loads of stuff. Went out to my brother's yesterday. We, we, my brother plays games. He plays games. And when I say plays games, I mean we, we, we do parlour games. There's no chance of dementia in our family, and you have to be fairly active. So we started off with guess, guess the intro. No, no, no. It was guess the intro. So he sits there. So there were about uh, one, two, three. About eight of us playing, eight or nine of us playing. So we had, we had buffet lunch, and then we start the games. Of course, everybody's heart drops. But then after game one, you're quite into it. So we did the first one, which was beat the intro. You have to guess what the television programme was. There were 20. Uh, then after that, we did our scores. And then we did the... He played a clip from Notting Hill Gate, the film. About, uh, about two minutes. Just Notting Hill. Yeah, Notting Hill Gate was the film that he was showing us. It was about, and then he showed us Notting Hill, and uh, and then he and then after, and then he stops the, the video, and then he asks you questions. What was the tattoo saying on the man's arm as he comes out of the tattoo parlour? How many awnings were there over the shop? In oh dear, I tell you, and because so because we were playing in teams as three in our team, and and I said right, I tell you, what, I'll I'll look at the people. Jess said I'm going to look at the things moving around, and of course the questions bore no relation to what I'd been watching at all. I was sort of looking at people crossing the road and going right, he's wearing a red top orange trousers and it, it it's quite interesting the stuff that you do not see because and, and then on, on the awning one i guessed it correctly because i remember looking at the awnings thinking ah oh, he's going to ask a question about awnings but on one of them what was the what was the fruit the man was buying on the fruit stall or things like that and i'd remember it was an avocado and then he had something up but i couldn't remember after that what was the name of the shop that oh dear anyway that was quite good and then after that then we had the newspaper game have you ever had the newspaper game? All these are great games which, which keep your mind active. So he got, and he had them for a while actually, eight copies of The Sun. 
And so question one was, and he, he, he would tell you the page number, so you had to really work fast. Page 47, how much is a, how much is a pint of milk in Mozambique? So you quickly... And the first one to shout the answer out gets the... Well, in the end, it's like driving your crackers, isn't it? So we had 20 of those questions, and my team lost. That's all I can tell you. We lost. The girls won. Mainly because Notting Hill is a chick flick. It is not a boys' film. So, of course, none of the boys knew any of the answers at all. We were just sitting there glazing over. But it was still good. Kept your mind active. So, so that, that was our Sunday yesterday. And then I drove back with what seemed like the entire world's traffic on one motorway. Because today, the little children are back at school. How pleased are we, ladies and gentlemen? This is LBC 97. 18 minutes past four. Bob in Manchesterford says, what a muppet that guy is. The BBC couldn't afford the Paralympics. Like any business, they've got to balance the books, and it went for the main event. Did it very well. However, I feel Channel 4 are doing a perfectly good job covering the Paragames. Mr Angry of Yorkshire would probably have written in saying the BBC spent too much covering both games. Oh, absolutely. What a, what a complete so-and-so. How ridiculous. Fancy complaining about and the colour of the things. Silver and gold. It's the Paralympics. What next? The Gay Olympics? The, uh, I was going to say the one-legged gay Olympics, the one-legged gay bald Olympics. And then you could, you could go down, you could have, everybody could have a, a series of games, couldn't they? I think we should have, you know, the global games. A few people around here, I wouldn't mind saying in Lycra. <laughs> the more I think about it, so I'll take that back. I've taken that back, I've changed my mind, sorry. It's too early on a Monday morning. It's too early any time, but I've decided specifically, no, nobody actually, nobody at all. Weather for today, a misty start, love a misty start. And that will clear to leave a fine and dry day with good sunny spells. The high... T- oh, 25 degrees. Double it in that... Oh, 80 degrees. Oh, I shall have to an extra button on the T-shirt. Currently 17 degrees centigrade. Tonight, dry evening with some sunshine. Tomorrow, dry and bright morning, becoming cloudy throughout the afternoon with some patchy rain for a time. Clearing by the evening, sunny but cool start. And then uh, Wednesday, dry with sunny spells. Thursday, Friday, hazy with cloud building. So it's actually not a bad week. But the bad news is for you... Coming into town this morning, the little kiddiewinks will be driven in by the little mumsies and dadsies in their little Ruperts and people like that and Tiffany's and everybody else sitting in the back of the car falling asleep because they just haven't got the energy and Nanny didn't make them porridge. So they have to sit in the back of the car half asleep and talking about, you know, what wonderful things there were on the television over the weekend and how cool it is to be going back to school. And mumsies and, and dadsies drive them back there and just clog up the roads. And frankly, I've had enough of it. Normally, you can always tell when it's holidays, we can drive around in peace. The moment the kiddies go back, and don't forget you've got the Paralympics and you've got the kiddie winks going back. So the roads are going to be especially busy this morning. But luckily, we have an expert travel department and they'll be helping you through it. My advice is set off a bit earlier. Just get there a little bit early. I came past... Piccadilly earlier on, because I drove in this morning, don't ask. And, and I came past, and there's a club that turns out at the Ritz. And not a policeman in sight. Cars parked on the wrong side of the road, facing the wrong way. Cars parked, picking people up at the traffic lights. Absolute traffic chaos. People stopping in the middle of the road. Really horrible. Really horrible. Very, you know, just, just not, not very nice at all. So perhaps next time, you know, I go past it, perhaps the police would like to sort of check on how many people are breaking the law or have they decided they're going to leave uh, these people alone. 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk uh, does your brother n- have a TV or stereo? A stereo? What's a stereo? A stereo? Have you heard of... Se- is that like a radio, a stereo? What do you mean? What, does your brother n- have n- have a TV or stereo? I don't know what stereo is. Good God, you must be really ancient. Wait a minute, let's find out. See if you are really ancient. 
yeah, yeah, really, really ancient. Uh, a stereo, a television. He's got a huge television. Did you see the one the other day? I've decided I'm going to buy it. I'm sorry, I've got to buy it. It's nine, ten feet long. It's the biggest television you can buy in the world. And, it's, and, and I want it because it's like going to the cinema. And also it'll blow the neighbours out of the room. It'll, and I don't want to sit in the cinema, it's horrible. Horrible. I don't. I don't enjoy the experience of sitting in a cinema with a lot of other grubby people who've sat on your seat and dropped popcorn and stuff like that. I don't. And also, it's too expensive. And this this television is sixteen thousand pounds. So I thought, with my lottery win over the weekend, had a bit of a lottery win. Don't want to go into it too much now because it's a bit embarrassing. For people, Ten. It's a bit embarrassing for people listening. But the people who won on Saturday, the people who 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 who, who got the jackpot, didn't do as well. That's the person who came second. The person who came second with the five number got one and a half million. Unfortunately, four people shared four point something. It's the way it worked out. It doesn't happen very often. But when it does, you feel really awful about the thing. <laughs> I didn't care. I got one and a half million. Okay, so I decided to enjoy that. But I would buy this this television. I would. A, it's, it's a ten foot. It's bigger than, than, than the car. There's a car, a Fiat that we sell over here, which is about nine foot something. And this television's ten feet long. Looks wonderful, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's thin. televisions are so thin nowadays. They are absolutely, you know, and, and the, the quality of the picture is fantastic. But remember, the picture quality that you see in the shops is not necessarily the picture quality you would get at home. What you're watching in the shops is they're playing a DVD. They're playing a high-def DVD. And so it runs. So that's why they all look fantastic. You get it home. You're just plugging yourself into a little aerial. And that's why sometimes it does not work as well. So people have been did they go Ooh, the quality of the television's not not very good. I've got some great stories to run for you later in our free podcast. Uh, Denise Welsh, I was going to to uh, to cut out of the Sunday papers. But to be honest with you, I'm really not remotely interested in this sad old woman's life. I don't know why I, I keep asking myself the same question. I can understand the press. And myself, to a certain extent, getting excited about people who are exposed by the newspaper. That I like. I like stories like that. I cannot understand why a celebrity would want to sell a dreary story about their naff life. Nobody's remotely interested, apart from Denise Welsh lining her pockets with the 30 pieces of silver. I don't think it's quite gold standard. On how I confronted my husband's girlfriend. Her exclusive series starts today. Shut up. Shut up. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I couldn't care less whether you get drunk, fall off a cliff, or so you know, or sort of bob around naked in Piccadilly. So I don't care. I really don't care. You're of no interest to anybody. You're just a woman who pops up on the television, whose husband cheated, and then you cheated, and that's that's it. That's your business. That, that, you know, when, when all these people sell every aspect of their lives and then wonder why they get bad publicity. At the moment, somebody wrote in one of the papers over the weekend, you know, Jerry Halliwell goes out with Russell Brand, day one. Jerry Halliwell seen with Russell Brand, day two. And so it went on. You know, he, she then takes him to meet her dog. She then takes him to meet her parents. And in the end, you think, who cares? There was a girl on the front pages of one of the papers. She's from The Only Way is Essex. And she's suing over the Harry phone thing, because apparently she's claiming she had a relationship with Prince Harry. Now, either his standards have sunk that low that we're practically gutter, or failing that, the thing is made up, because there's a woman in the paper today, and it's very rare, very rare, that Buckingham Palace make a comment on something. In fact, it's, I, I can count the times on one hand. This is Prince Harry, said to be furious, that claims he cavorted naked with a pole-dancing blonde. Carrie Reichert says Harry had a 20-minute drunken fumble. A royal source said it's untrue. She was not there. Now, either she's a compulsive liar... Or failing that, 
She was there, and they're playing it down. I think if she was there, then she would have evidence she was there. The palace source says she was not there. Uh, she claimed that she snogged him in a drunken fumble. She was unavailable for comment last night. Now, either I mean, to be honest with you, you do get people that say these things. You do get people that go to the newspapers and because they think um, that they, they think nobody's going to say anything about them. But to be honest, th- this girl here, she said she joined him in his hotel suite during his strip billiards party and had a 20-minute drunken fumble with him in the bedroom. He said this is an absolute out-and-out lie. She was not there. So either she's delusional, totally stupid, or she's got evidence to back this up. Because normally the royals do not sue... But if it's something that they think could be damaging, she says she was invited to Harry's suite with nine other girls at the wind where she was staying. Well, that wouldn't be too difficult to prove. You could probably find out. So she's either telling the truth and she was there and they're trying to play it down because she's got video footage or something like that. Or because they've actually come up and said it's untrue, she wasn't even there. They would probably know who was in that suite with him. Well, I'm hoping that they would do. And if she's a liar, she's an immensely sad, stupid person. She's only in one of the papers today. Only in one of the papers. Uh, the rest of the papers are going with the fact that we've done very, very well at the Paralympics. We've got goals. We're doing, we're doing very, very well, as indeed we predicted on this programme. Our medal hopes for today. I'll run through a little bit later on for you. And here was uh, Catherine. Katie was out again. She was cheering GB onto it. You know, every... I'm going to sneeze. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> oh, dear me. The dust in this place is awful, really. I can't help it. That's probably flu or something. I don't know. Um, and every picture you ever see of, of Kate, she's smiling. I've never seen a picture of her not smiling. Mind you, you know, when you're married to the heir to the British throne, and they seem a really nice... Co- why shouldn't she smile? I mean, you probably find they actually have alphabetti spaghetti and don't even think about the cost, because it's, like, really expensive. That's, like, really expensive. And we used to have alphabetti spaghetti. And one of the girls in the office the other day had beans with little sausages on toast, which is what I call comfort food. It's, and they do... I think they do do a tin of beans which has little sausages in. And it's, and it's very expensive. And I said, you should have alphabetti spaghetti. And she said, it's, like, 80 pence a tin. And I said, well, I couldn't imagine ever spending 80 pence on a tin of alphabetti spaghetti, especially when you find that you couldn't even spell your own name in there because they'd left out a T and an E. In which case, you then have to start doing other words... And that's quite. And I said, but perhaps we could have. Perhaps we just have spaghetti hoops one day. And she said they were sixty-five pence a tin. So we've ended up going back to the beans because I did buy eight tins at one, two, three, four, four, eight tins of beans for two quid the other day in in Iceland. Heinz beans. I thought that was really good value. If anybody ever tells you you can't eat out cheaply, eight tins of beans for two pound is a bargain. You know, you know, for for, for people who, who are sort of moving to Clapham or something like that, that's going to be staple diet, isn't it? For all those poor peasants in there who have to move into bedsit land. That's exciting, isn't it? The millionaire's playground of Clam. I don't think so. But uh, there, will be, there will be tins of beans. I always have beans as a staple. You can add them to so many things. You can add them to, you can add them to steak, to fish, to pies, to mashed potato. You can sort of turn them into stir-fry Chinese, if you use your imagination, and are very drunk. I mean, you can use all sorts of things beans for. You can sit in a bath of them, get yourself a Guinness Book of Records... I mean, it's just amazing. You can cover yourself in beans and invite friends round for a party. Or you could just sort of just look at the tin, because it's an artistic... You know, it, it was done, wasn't it? It's been done before. It's an iconic piece of art. Oh, Godfathers, what's she doing there? Oh, Tamara Eccleston is in some of the papers today. Airbrushed to heck. And apparently she has a calendar out. <laughs> I 
for, for what reason? I'll tell you for what reason. Uh, it's 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 for a, a good core. Sorry, cause. And it's that wasn't my words. It was the newspapers. The profits are going to Great Ormond Street, but also it's because she's an egotist. She really believes that she's terribly attractive, and so she's got the mm, that kind of sex. You know, like we all do. The sexy pose. It's a bit like looking at Mark Wright from the only way is Essex's calendar. Difference is he's only got the one expression vacant. And uh, he's in his calendar with his clothes off. Tamara's just got a, a bikini on. And she's 28. A little bit old for doing this kind of thing now, Tamara. But anyway, I suppose if the money goes for charity, we can forgive you. But it's, it's a little bit of an ego trip, isn't it? It's LBC 97.3. It's Monday morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. It's actually going to be a nice day today. I'm so excited. I was hoping for rain, but it's not going to happen. Time now is 4.30. News headlines would... Molly, apparently a stereo is another word for a hi-fi. What's a hi-fi? These old-fashioned words coming up today. What did we, we, we sort of garnered some strange subculture on the programme. So a hi-fi is a stereo. A stereo. Have you ever heard such a thing? And a hi-fi. Oh, a high-fidelity. High-fidelity. Dee says you sound like you don't care. I don't, really. Not on a Monday morning. By the time we get to Friday, I might. I'm going to bring you the story later of a lovely one of those magazines. You know the magazine where you buy it in, in the parts and, and you make a model. And at the end of the, the time, you have a, a lovely model. And, and now the adverts are going to start appearing on the television. And they're going to start appearing for you to, to make a model of something that you all want that you all want. I'll, I'll tell you about it a little bit later on this morning. Also, if proof were needed, yet again, yet again, a dad who couldn't swim dives into the sea to save his son who'd been swept out. His son was seven. Uh, George Selby, 27, threw himself into the sea despite not being able to swim. He got into a into a, an attempt to save his son Louis's life when he got into difficulties and they both drowned. I mean, it's absolutely tragic. I can only say time and time again, time and time again, you know, barring putting up huge signs on beaches around the world, it's not just in this country, not just in... I mean, you look at the rocks where this little boy was swept away, you wouldn't go anywhere near them. You really wouldn't. It's a, a set of a very robust stairs that lead down to the coast. It's a rocky coast, and there's rocks there, and you can see the spume going all over the top of them. To have a seven-year-old boy going down... There is a sign saying, danger. I mean, I don't know what... I don't know what else you can do. I mean, I, I feel almost awful. I feel awful about the whole thing. But then I feel like saying, I'm sorry, you almost need to chain everybody together to sit on the beach. There is no beach here. It's a rocky outlet where people quite clearly go down. Perhaps some people who can swim very well, and you've got to be up to a standard, can swim there. The rest of the people go to the hotel pool. A little seven-year-old boy can get swept out to sea. Dad dives in. He can't swim as well. They get both get into difficulty and both they, they both lose their lives. And there is... You know, these red flags all over the place reflecting the fact is... But for some reason, people ignore it. So why not? Whoever owns these steps, block them off so people can't get down to the beach. Wouldn't that make it safer? We've had it all the time. People think they can stand there and they think, oh, don't, don't worry, the water just... I think they think it's like a shower. The water just splashes onto your feet. They don't realise the drag as this thing goes back out again. We've all sat... I remember as a kid sitting on the beach, you could lie there and you put your hands in the sand and then the undercurrent would drag you out and you can see your, your finger marks as you're dragged down the sand. 
We did it because it was, it was, I mean, it wasn't particularly dangerous where we were, but there was still an undercurrent. There was still an undercurrent. And so here's this, this terrible story, you know, he sacrificed his life for, for nothing. Just absolutely awful. It really is. Uh, Steve, I don't understand the complaining regarding the guy that texts you regarding the cover of the Paralympics. Channel uh, 4 is, of course, a commercial station, so there are no adverts. What? Channel 4's full of adverts. What are you talking about? Channel 4's full of adverts. Of course it is. Channel 4 is, of course, a commercial station, so that I think it's an... As, yeah, so there are adverts. There's no such thing as bidding. There is so much whinging. Yes. Well, apparently, somebody wrote to me and said that the BBC bid for it. No, they didn't. They didn't want it. They didn't want the Paralympics. Channel 4 have done an excellent job doing it, but that's why they've got adverts on it to pay for it. The BBC are paying for it out of the licence fee. You didn't have any, any choice in that, did you? Did they come to you and say, we're going to be spending £27 million on the Olympic Games? And you went, no, you, I, don't, I don't want to spend that much. Can you not do it cheaper? And the answer is, no, you can't. That's what they spent on it. Channel 4, of course, have to survive on the, on the adverts. And they have to survive on the money that, uh, that comes in. Melanie Masson was on X Factor over the weekend. I didn't see it. Mainly because I'd read a report in one of the papers that they were cutting back on the amount of music. And I think in an hour-long programme, there was only something like eight minutes' worth of music. Actually, eight minutes' worth of singing in the hour programme. The rest of it was taken up with what I call flim-flam. You know, taken up with, let's go to see these people on holiday, let's go to see these people doing this. I'm not interested. It's a singing competition. It's a singing competition with people who come on and sing. I couldn't care less what they do at home. They could knit raffia rush baskets, as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't care less. Make coracles for their Auntie Winnie in, in uh, Carmarthen. I don't care. I'm interested in can they sing. But, of course, because there's so little talent actually appearing on the programme. In fact, it's so desperate now that they had to put Melanie Masson on there and she blew the judges away. And the reason she blew them away is because she's been a professional session singer for 15 years. She's a professional singer. We know that they've changed the rules to allow professional people on there. She sung alongside everybody, from Fat Boy Slim to the Happy Mondays, Leo Sayer, Kasabian, the Stereophonics. She's a professional singer. She's never going to be a big, big star, but she's a professional singer. She's the one you hear on countless records. It's like somebody being a voiceover. Huge in the voiceover world, but you've probably never heard of most of them. Louis Walsh says, where has that voice come from? So quite clearly, she's been in the business for 15 years. He's got no idea. She's worked with David Essex, Sheena. She's worked with everybody. She obviously hasn't worked with him, though. I would think. Gary Barlow, um, you know, just just loved it. Just absolutely loved it. She's had a, a brief deal with EMI, and as uh, a spokesman for the show says, the X Factor is open to everyone. The only rule is they must be over 16 and not have a current record deal. <coughs> Excuse me. So what they've actually done is they've bent the rules because there's nobody else out there. There is nobody else who is available to sing. There's a few stupid people who think that they can sing, but they can't sing. It's like that. Is it... I can't remember his name now. Is it Taylor, Tyler Dane or something, or whatever his name is? Tyler Dane? Dane Tyler? I don't know. He's this one who, who was on The X Factor, and I, I said the other week I didn't think he could sing for Toffee. Didn't think he could sing for Toffee at all. He's apparently going out on tour, which I find slightly worrying. There's a TV preacher wanted in Africa for abducting children. He's still in Britain five years after being ordered out. He's the self-styled Archbishop of Peckham. Can we kick him out now? What's he still doing here? He's had all these deportation orders against him. He's, uh, he's, he's set up some ministry, which has just been closed down, because it was just a money racket. Talking of money rackets, I see that uh, uh, the Moonies founder, Sung Myung Moon, has died. That was a man who set up a cult and was famous for doing those mass weddings. 
And, uh, and it just became a, a cash cow for him. It just became a cash cow, and they lived the life of Riley. He set up this uh, unification church. Uh, they, they claim to have millions and millions of members. I think it's been disproven that they don't have millions and millions of members. They have, you know, they have a fair, fair few, but then people, people like that. I'm always reminded, every time he set himself up as the Messiah, always uh, reminded of the Monty Python film. He's not the Messiah, he's just a very silly boy. As people turned up going, Jehovah, Jehovah. So uh, he, he died aged at 92. Uh, he says that he was called by Christ at the age of 16 to finish his work. Yes, I don't seem to remember Christ telling him to line his pockets at the same time. This is the uh, magazine company. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're called uh, De Agostini. And you will find them all over newsagents. It's an old story. It's a very, very old story. I say it's an old story because I remember doing this 20 years ago, when I was but 16, uh, on LBC. And it's the story of the people who buy the magazines because they're making a model. And every week you buy the magazine and you get another part of the model. And we've worked out that each and every time it would be cheaper to go and buy a blooming model of this thing. So here is the latest one. This is uh, a replica warship. It's a new weekly magazine. The Sovereign of the Seas. Sounds a little bit like a current thing. It's supposed to be an old warship. But there's a a magazine advert. The introductory offer is £1.99 for the first edition. Now, they're always £1.99 for the first edition because it gets you in. The second edition is five ninety nine. Okay, now that's that's maybe not so so good. But if you're a model maker, you probably like that. However, to build this ship is going to take you two and a half years. Okay, presumably your your little Indian corner shop is going to be selling this for two and a half years. I don't see them selling for two and a half years. I really don't. It's also going to cost you eight hundred pounds. £800 for this thing. In fact, actually, it's going to take two years and seven months, which is nine months longer than the real Navy vessel launched in 1637 took to build. The original ship was commissioned by King Charles I and took 22 months to build. A spokesman for the pressure group Consumer Focus says the cost of these magazines can really mount up. Publishers need to be upfront about the number of issues people will have to buy before taking on a long-running subscription. So what happens is they stop selling it in the shops... And then you carry on with the subscription. De Agostini have a whole load of these. They've bought out in the past watches. They've bought out in the past this and that and that and lots of things designed to part you from their money, designed to part you from your money, which I don't have a problem with. That's what magazines do. But they need to be upfront and tell you that if you're going to start building this model ship, it's going to cost you £800. If you've seriously got £800 to waste, why don't you just go to a decent model shop and buy a model of this ship? Or failing that, buy another kit form and then put it together. It's going to be a darn sight cheaper than £800. And at the end of the day, it's only as good as your model making. Whereas if you only spend, say, 20 or 30 quid, you don't feel so cheated. £800 and two and a half years later is, uh, is a bit ridiculous. So if you want to waste your money, that's the thing you'll be buying. Two years and seven months to construct. Nine months longer than the original ship. And that's, uh, that's coming out very shortly. I mean, there's going to be all these fantastic adverts on the tent. They've already started, I think. I've seen, I'm sure I've seen one of them. I feel sorry as well about all these whales. Isn't it funny how whales beach themselves? Even when they, they drag them back out to sea and go, go, shoo, shoo, they come back in again. And so they have to keep them wet and they just, they just have a death wish. I don't know what it is. We've never quite understood. 
Perhaps producers could go the same way. I don't. You know, they sort of beach themselves, you know, up in a studio, and then other producers could throw themselves on top. You know, that'd be quite nice. And we could just sort of drag them back out into Leicester Square, and then, then they'd sort of paddle back in again, and then we sort of throw them back out again. I like that idea. It's the caring side of me coming out on a Monday morning. You could tell Christmas is around the corner, can't you? So I'm looking at all these British divers, trying to save these boats, dragging them out to sea, whereas the whales don't want to go back out to sea. They want to, they want to beach themselves with all their friends on the beach. I don't know why. It's, it's, very, it's a very strange thing. They do it all over the world. Mind you, in the Faroe Islands, they actually kill the whales, don't they? They herd them in and they have this, what can they be described as a massacre? The whole island does it because that's their food for the next year. So they drive all these whales in and then they just carve them up. It's quite awful, really. Um, Michael Jackson apparently was a booze-fuelled basket case. I think I've worked with these people before. A booze-filled basket case. They said that he wasn't actually able to sing. In the last few weeks before he died, they said he was he was drinking. I mean, I find this difficult to believe. I've, I've watched the DVD of Michael. He looked at the peak of physical fitness. You have to be. I've tried to imitate some of the dance moves that he, he does in the video. I do them in the bathroom in the morning, you know, doom, 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 and I try to do the bit of moonwalking and things like that. It just doesn't quite look the same when I do. It just looks like some fat, overweight bloke, you know, attempting to dance in a pair of pants that don't fit. But it doesn't matter, you know, it's, it's my, my kind of thing. And they now say he was too sick to sing. Well, he must have gone right downhill then in the two weeks in between making this DVD, which they put together out of all the clips of all the rehearsals, and his decline. It's, it's, a, it's a great shame, really. I wish they'd stop writing stuff about Michael Jackson, because he, he brought a lot of pleasure to a lot of... He's the only artist who's ever died that I've seen people sitting around in Trafalgar Square and in Piccadilly Circus. Groups of people. Groups of people with little nightlights singing Michael Jackson. Nobody could believe it. Nobody could believe it. I was a big fan. I've got all the early Jackson 5 stuff. I've got the Michael... It was, there was no doubt about it. The rest of the Jackson 5 wouldn't give you threepence for. You know, barking mad, most of them, I'm afraid including Janet Jackson, and don't ask about LaToya. She's off with the fairies. She's completely off her trolley. But uh, Michael was the star. Michael was the star of the group. He was the star when he was 10. He was the star when he was 11. And uh, he did well to stay well away. He didn't need them. He didn't need the Jacksons. He absolutely didn't. They they, they tried to make a comeback. And I think they were going to feature in the live shows. As what? I'm not too sure. Just check my star signs for today. You're going to inherit a lot of money and be loved by millions. Lovely, thank you. That's all I need to know. It's always nice to check your star signs for the day ahead. Squatter to five. It's Monday morning. It's LBC 97.3. And uh, we'll come back to more stories from the papers in a moment. London's biggest condom. Morning, 13 minutes to five. It's Monday morning. I watched a programme on the television. I think it was called... Oh, I can't remember what it was called now. Treasures of Britain. It's hosted by the guy who does one of those antique type programmes, and it's got Claire Balding on, and it's got a few other people, and they're going, it's not very well done at all. It's not very well done at all. In fact, I watched it because I'm fascinated with anything to do with history in this country and anything where they show you things you've never seen before. It just seemed like an over-enlarged documentary on Osborne House, which is the place that Queen Victoria had. And they showed you the bed in which she died. And they showed you around the house, which has turned into a museum. People go there. It's, it's a nice place to go around because no member of the royal family, after she died, wanted to go anywhere near it. She, did, she wanted it to remain within the family. And nobody's taken it on and nobody's lived there since. So she was the last person to actually stay there. And it's interesting. But, I mean, this just seemed to be an overhyped bit of PR puff. Which was, uh, which was keeping the thing going. Claire Balding went to some house, which was OK. There was somebody else who went to discover something else, which was a bit dreary. And then there was something else. All it, John Warrington sent me in this 
DVD of this programme, so I, I did sit down and watch it, and I, and I wasn't impressed. I'm so glad I'm not going to order the DVD of it, because it's, it's not enough, it's not up to standard, I'm afraid. Not as good as the Dimbleby programme, which was showing you some real treasures. Not just houses that were stuffed full of stuff. It was, it was just a bit, a bit weak, I'm afraid. Neil says, I saw the TV ad for the ship and I wondered how long it would take to make it. And the cost, unbelievable. He says, I can't understand anybody making it. Yes, this is, you'll see the adverts on the television. Two and a half years of magazines and £800 you're going to have to spend to make this ship. You have to ask yourself the question, don't you? Are you really that daft that you're going to do it? Go to a, if you're a model maker, you're going to go to a model shop. And you're going to buy these models and you're going to come back and you get, they're either made out of plastic or they're made out of wood. I didn't see Full Britain with Dom Jolly. Malcolm, I'm not a fan of Dom Jolly. I'm a deeply, deeply unfunny person, I'm afraid. Just not remotely interested. Uh, I also miss Celebrity Juice, where they had somebody from one of the... I've never even heard of him. Somebody from an Olympic team. Kelly Brook, as you know, jetted back in to do the programme, which is very exciting. But I do enjoy going to Amazon, and I do enjoy buying things, and I do sometimes look at the reviews. Well, I've, I've since learnt, because I'm an intelligent person, that you shouldn't believe the reviews. And such it is in the case of R.J. Ellery. R.J. Ellery uh, writes, I think, uh, crime-type books, thriller-type books. And uh, what he, he's been caught out. He's been caught... He's written his own reviews for his own books. And he's had to eat humble pie. It's it's very interesting. Uh, He's been forced to make a grovelling apology. After it emerged, he'd been posting gushing praise of his own work and attacking other novels under an assumed name on Amazon. One of the reviews that is attributed to him goes as follows... R.J. Ellery, <coughs> excuse me, is one of the most talented authors of today. His ability to craft the English language is breathtaking. You find it, he's written, he's written about himself. He's written about himself. So perhaps we should hit Mr. Ellery where it hurts and go, do you know, we don't believe it. I mean, he might be a very good writer. I don't know. And then he says, when I did finish, I thought, wow, that is an amazing book. Give me more. He's written his own review for his own book. It's a bit like Katie Price. Not quite like Katie Price. It's a bit like Katie, because this man actually writes his books. Katie Price, as you know, can't write for Toffee. And then she sat in, uh, that we had the last one in the series, very dreary, where she took Harvey to a, um, like a, a wind tunnel thing where he floated around. That's all it is, actually. It's the exploitation of the children. And then we saw the other ones, that it was Katie's birthday. But the thing I'm worried about with the Katie Price programme, and I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to put this, because I've, I've mentioned it before, is that... I wonder who's actually watching the programme. <laughs> what sort of... Is it, is it, I mean, I watch it because I talk about it. But on the other hand, a lot of other people don't watch it and they've been turning it off because it's the same old, same old. Katie Price saying, I absolutely write all my column and people think I don't. Then they had her trying to do fashion work. And, of course, she's not, she's not at all attractive to do fashion work. As she said, she's only better when she takes her clothes off. The other thing is, we've seen Katie and horses. And it's all, it's all just publicity for Katie Price. But where is the makeup artist? Where's the gay makeup artist who was a coal miner? Where's he gone? Because she introduced us this time to somebody called, I think it could be Sally. I might have, I might not have been paying close attention, but I saw somebody turn up with the makeup case and it said, Sally, makeup artist and friend. And I thought, has she ditched the makeup artist? Because they've not featured any programmes and they were on so many of her programmes. And they were obviously, I wonder whether or not she suddenly realised that they were. Oh, yes, they used to get... Oh, yeah, she, she, she pays having her makeup done. I mean, that's what people do. Yes. 
because he's actually a makeup. Surprisingly, he's a makeup artist for for those sort of people. He does Melinda Messenger. So so all all he knows is the troweling makeup. He he, he can't do. You know, attract. He just does troweling on. So you end up. They all end up looking the same. So Katie Price looks like Melinda Messenger. Looks like you know Page Three. It looks like all of them. Which is so. Whether or not she's decided that she needs to to go further and not have this this person with her, I don't know because they featured on every program. I got quite worried. Not used to seeing somebody else. Not used to seeing somebody else at all. But uh, but now we, we we've got this woman. Makeup looks exactly the same as far as I'm concerned. I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it actually changes. Yes, perhaps he's had a sex change. Perhaps he's had a sex change and come back as. No, I don't think so. It's, it's a nice thought. Um, I d- I like it when when people win on Deal or No Deal. I laugh when they turn down decent money. And there's a man here, who who won fifty thousand pounds. He got fifty thousand pounds, and. Uh, He's, he's, he, uh, share my £50,000 game show winnings with the wife who walked out on me. No chance, he says. No chance. And so what he did, after he held his nerve to win 50000 quid, he was determined that his estranged wife would not get a penny piece. Her name's Rachel. Uh, with only four months before the TV game show was screened and she found out about his windfall, the father of two knew he had to spend it fast. So he did. Uh, he's a sign manufacturer and fitter. Said he used £15,000 to clear all the debts he and his wife Rachel had from credit card bills, loans and bank overdrafts. After setting aside almost £2,000 to cover legal fees for his divorce, he bought clothing, toys and household items for the two young children. He used some of the cash to live off, having been signed off from work because of depression. Don't you just love these people who get signed off for depression and then turn up on a game show on the television? Don't you just love that? And there they are. Yeah, woo! So if you have depression, yeah, woo! <laughs> That's it. He admitted he spent most of it on having a good time, including an iPad, a holiday in Mexico, and the outlay of £4,000 on a second-hand X-Type Jaguar estate car. Oh, God, that's not very much, is it? £4,000. The final part of his winnings went days before his own deadline of August 21 to pay for an electrician's course so he could start a new career. As it turned out, Mr Brown was right to suspect that the wife, who he says asked him for a divorce on Christmas Day last year, found out about... Over the internet, his lucky money. As soon as the Channel 4 programme was broadcast, she went to court in a belated bid to ensure she got a share. She got nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's like the guy who was claiming disability benefits and was then seen on Total Wipeout. Oh, there was a couple in the paper the other day, over the weekend. 1.6 million this bloke had and his friend, and they set up... Nobody checks these things. He claimed he couldn't even pick up a teaspoon to stir a cup of tea. Nobody checked. And the government handed over 1.6 million because he claimed he'd set up a company to help disabled people. They gave him, at one point, I think, £385,000 to buy equipment for other disabled people. He spent it on his holidays. He's been sent to prison for eight years. Nine years, sorry. Just remembered. Nine years. No time off for good behaviour on that one. Fantastic. And his friend, I think, is going to prison as well. But, I mean, it's not enough, is it? It's not enough, but I love the idea that your wife walks out on you, she finds out on the internet and thieving old bag that she's, oh, I want some of that money. Because had it still been there, I wonder whether or not she would have been entitled to it. I don't know. I'm not sure about things like that. But he was determined she wasn't getting anything. So he uh, he, he spent it. It's a bit naughty, really. Well, it's not naughty. You do the same thing. You do the same thing. You see, what happens is people then sort of get back, don't they? We go, oh, I really love you. Listen, I don't want to get divorced or give me the money. I really, really love you. Give me all the money. Give me... But please, please, listen, I mean, honestly, listen, just because I went off with somebody else, it doesn't mean I really love you. Give me the money. Give me the money. And they go to court now and they find lawyers. 
I was talking the other... We were saying yesterday about how much money now is spent on fake car accidents. Over a billion pounds a year. That's why your car insurance is so, so high. It's because of fake claims. People who turn up in court claiming they can barely walk. Liars. Many of them liars, I'm afraid. There's more, more corruption in that than anything else. There's a woman in the paper today, and her name is Anne Harris. She's a childminder, surprisingly. And uh, she went out on a shoplifting spree. You know, because she's that sort of person. She's a thieving old baggage. So she goes out and she goes shoplifting and she gets arrested because she's quite clearly a, a buffoon. And, um, and she gets taken back to the police station. Then her husband turns up. Where are the kids? She's left them in the car with the windows up. She's got two children in the car. The windows were set. One's two and one's one. Now, I've seen this happen before. People have left animals in cars. These people should be strung up by the short and curlies, I'm afraid, as far as I'm concerned, dangle from the nearest tree. But she left two children in there. She didn't tell the police when she was arrested for the shoplifting. And so, so they then go back, find the car, luckily, smash the window. Uh, the, the girl's body temperature was three degrees above normal. Two children were drenched in sweat, red... Fa- you know, because she went off shoplifting. This woman's an idiot. And she's a childminder. She's a, she looks after people's children. She's now been diagnosed with, with depression. They've sent her to prison for a year. Best place for her, I think, actually. Uh, a medical report said that she's suffering from moderate to severe depression. How has this woman ever got a licence to be a childminder? How can this be? And then she goes out, sh- so she takes the kids out shoplifting. Just sit in the car, mummy's going off to shoplift a few things. Ridiculous, isn't it? Every time you read the papers, you begin to want your own life seems quite normal. Um, 84850 D says Katie Price is getting a little bit boring now well she's not getting boring it's the same old same old Katie Price having another meeting they say oh Katie Price is very hands on with this, this this collection of items here she's had two meetings I thought oh yeah well that's really stretched hasn't it the rest of the time it's just Katie Price lounging around at home trying to think of something to do let's go and talk to some horses let's take Harvey out to a, an adventure centre Let's just—it's—it's it's a very boring program, and this is this is Katie telling you how marvellous she is and how many wrong items are written about her in the newspapers, which is what we had last week's show, show before that, show before that. I think I think reality shows are running their course, aren't they? A little bit. We're almost running out of what people do. If only the Lion in Essex had been true, and we'd introduced them to maybe Joey Essex and a few other members of the cast. Look, it's only a big pussycat, Joey. Pop your head in its mouth. But, of course, as you know, the couple never saw a lion. They just made it up because it was their little five minutes of fame. There was no such thing down there. But it made, made good copy and kept a few journalists, you know, in, uh, in beer money as they went down there to try and find the beast, armed with nothing more than a pencil and a notepad. Fat lot of use that'd be when you're confronted by a lion. So I think mainly reality shows are running out of, uh, of steam. How did you know he did his own book review, says Anna? Because I've just read it out to you. I've just said he admitted writing... Oh God, that's slow, isn't it? I, can't... I really can't repeat things this morning. It's just... I haven't got enough time, frankly. The news at five o'clock is coming up very soon. And just remember, if you want to buy the Sovereign of the Seas, this beautiful model ship, when you finally see it on the television, it'll take you two and a half years for all the magazines and cost you £800. My advice is maybe... Maybe a jigsaw or something else, you know, which is a lot cheaper. And if you don't like it, you just throw it in the dustbin. 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. News at five with Sam Pittis is next. Alan. I love the story from Pakistan that started last week of the 14-year-old girl who had been arrested 
on blasphemy charges after they found pages of the Quran. Now it turns out that the, uh, the local preacher has been arrested because his assistant has said, no, he ripped the pages out and planted them on her because she's a Christian. And he said, this is a way of getting rid of all the Christians. So now he's been taken, to blind for some strange reason, blindfolded into court. And it looks likely she's going to be freed a little bit later on. But it only goes to prove how dangerous it can be in some countries when somebody says, right, you're, you're guilty. And you go, wait a minute. She has slight learning difficulties, this girl. She's Christian in a country where there are a lot of, lot of Muslims. But this man was quite clearly intent on getting rid of them. So now, luckily, he's been arrested because his deputy decided to come out and tell the truth. Amazing, isn't it? You couldn't make this... You sometimes wonder, you know, however bad it gets in this country, at least we're not that mad. Just going back briefly to the model warship that takes longer to build than the real thing. Doesn't cost as much money, but there is a company, Rashid Lalou, of Premier Ship Models, who's run his model ship-making website for ten years, says you could buy a similar model of this ship uh, for about £300, ready-made up. Ready-made up. So why spend 800 when you can go and spend £300 ready-made? Because somebody's got to put these things together, and I think £300 is really good. It does look lovely. It does look lovely. The ship itself, in its time, cost £65,586 to build a ship. Apparently today, the equivalent around £8 million. It's not a lot. I mean, very much... You see, what would... I mean... What worries me with these magazines where they're, um, they call, uh, there's a name for them, I can't remember what they call them, bit part magazine, it's something where you have to make money out of it. Do you think some people would, would go out and maybe buy ten issues and then go, oh, I can't be bothered? Because you forget about it. And I think what they do then is, I think they actually stop selling the issues. Because two and a half years, that's another two sets of magazines. And this company, De Agostini, bring out lots of these magazines. You'll see lots of these adverts. I haven't seen them for a little while, to be, to be brutally honest about it. But this particular one, two and a half years, I think then you take out a subscription. I think you then take out the subscription, they carry on selling it to you, because your local newsagent is not going to be selling a magazine bit part for two and a half years. They're just not. I could probably check with Mr and Mrs Modi, but I think they would probably tell me, no, they don't. They probably stop after three months, because they just don't have the room. I don't think people ever finish these things. I'd like to see them. It was years ago, Esther Ranson used to have a very good programme where she exposed uh, consumer issues. And one of them was people who could make money working from home because there's a lot of women listening to the radio at the moment and it would be a lot easier if you've got young children to work from home as opposed to having to pay for childminders, take the kids out. We have a very good... Well, they they seem very good. I don't know. I've never been there. But they have a a childminding service in Twickenham and they've done so well, they've now moved to huge premises and they take the kids out for a walk every day. Some of them go in a little train which is, is pulled along the pavement by the girls and I think one or two boys who work there. And they all sit in there with their little... They're all wearing fluorescent jackets. Never seen anything like it. It's, it's, it's really... It's, it's, it's so wonderfully done. And so they've all got little fluorescent jackets on and little seat belts. And these, and these are children about two years old. And then the other thing that they've got is they all go out for a walk, but they're, but they're chained to a yoke. I can only describe this as a big... Imagine a big plastic bar with bits across it and each little child of two or three is holding their bit in front of them and they've got little, their little fluorescent jackets on. It's a, it does look a bit like slave labour, but they all walk on the streets. And I was behind them the other day and one little boy, his trousers kept falling down and they had to keep pulling them up. And, the, and all the girls wear jackets. I mean, it's, it's very well done. 
It's very well done. So they all go out holding this big plastic green thing either side of it, and they've got their little fluorescent jackets on, and they're all clipped onto it, so nobody can go anywhere. And nobody cries. They just happily go for a walk. But when they're in the little train thing, it's like a little truck that they pull along. There's about eight of them in it, all sitting there with their fluorescent jackets and little seat belts on. And they're only like two and three. It's just... It's just I must take a picture of it, because it's so funny. It's, oh, you probably can't do that, can you? Because it's a picture of other people's children. Oh, God. But next thing, I'll be arrested. So, what are you doing? I'm just taking pictures to demonstrate to my listeners how funny this is. Perhaps I could take it from behind. That wouldn't, that wouldn't look the same. Would, no, you just can't take it. Oh, is it ridiculous? You know, just when you think that there was all this, all this kerfuffle years ago, wasn't it, about taking pictures of children at the end-of-term nativity play? And then you, went, you can't take pictures of other people's children. Oh, for goodness sake. Sometimes I, I, I turn on the television and they've got people on there with their children and the people are pixelated. A bit like watching Big Fat Gypsy Wedding, where all of the men are pixelated. You ever see a picture of a man on there? Because, because they just don't. And, and so you've got exactly the same. I, couldn't t- I just realised I can't take pictures of these little kids just to demonstrate to you just how funny I think it is. Especially when you, Perhaps I could take a picture of just their legs. Let's just have a picture, you know, without sort of cut off the heads or something else and just, just show their legs so I could show this thing. But it's the funniest thing ever. But it's the fact that they walk up and down the high street and they take them down to the river. They really, they, they really get some exit. They probably all then go back and they zonk out on the floor. That's for all the mums listening going, oh, sounds really cute. You can see them most days in Twickenham. It's, 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 it's almost it's like an outing for them. Must we do it to the people in Sandy's, the fish shop. Stuart got married apparently the other weekend. I don't know, there's no end to the stuff that's going on in his life, I tell you. Mine's, mine's quite dull, by comparison. Uh, Bob says, I have to ask, why did you drive in? All right, I'll tell you why I had to drive in this morning. Because I go outside, and every day they, they send me a text going, you know, uh, your car is on the way, the job is in hand, and then the cars arrive. So I go outside, and I can't see it. Because it's not outside my place. I'm not, exp- I'm, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't like walking up and down a road. I get a bit scared walking up and down the road. If a car's got its lights on or flashing, or so, then I can understand it. But there's nothing on. I'm, not, I'm looking at, I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not prepared to start walking up and down. So in the end, it got to like 10 to 3 and I started getting panicky. I started thinking, Ooh. so I got in my car and I drove in. And that's when I encountered all the people at, at Piccadilly Circus. So I, I, sort of, so I came in and, uh, and, every, and everybody went, you're late. Because I was obviously later than I was normally. And even, even Duncan's little phone operative, said to me, he said, oh, he said, you're doing one of my tricks. I said, what's that? He said, turning up late. I said, what? Cheeky, I was made a mental note, CHR. Uh, 84850, steve at And he's up this morning because uh, he, he came out for the drive on Saturday with Zoe. He said it couldn't have worked out better. Thank you to you and the team. I'm very grateful. He says, uh, I know Zoe's writing to you in the next few days to thank you. Your car is fantastic. Such a treat. <laughs> Did look good, didn't it, actually, that day? I'd, actually, I even, I, I even surprised myself, because I put petrol in the morning, and we picked them up. But luckily, Zoe didn't know that she was going for a ride in, in the car. Well, I say a ride, it was a journey. I mean, we, I should have taken sandwiches. It would have been easy to take sandwiches and a flask, wouldn't it, Andy? But I never thought about that. And then Lou had said to me, perhaps we should stop off somewhere for a cup of tea. I thought, and park where? Where are you going to park this thing? It's like a monster on the road, my car. And so we had a very nice time, actually. It was very, very nice, and she was thrilled. And they've been to the, uh, to the shows. They've been to the shows. Grant is in Harpenden. Poor soul. He says, great show. Your outlook on people and current affairs is spot on. You say what other people are thinking. Well, I, you see, I never understand people when they say that. You say what other people are thinking. So I'm just reflecting. So in other words, we're all saying the same things. We're all saying, don't, don't buy this, this warship. So I'm not that unique anymore. 
You know, it's the the kind of thing you're probably going to hear in a in a pub. But you shouldn't buy the warship because it's eight hundred pounds. You can buy if I can save you five hundred pounds. I'm going to save you five hundred pounds. I'm, I'm nothing against De Agostini, the company. I'm sure turn out some lovely magazines. I'm just saying I can save you five hundred pounds, and I'm quite sure that Rashid Lalu of Premiership Models could probably sell you probably sell you the do it do it yourself kit version. For a lot cheaper. De Agostini, says John, the Titanic, Titanic rivet counter, uh, also did a two and a half year series of magazines on building the Titanic. I don't know of one person who actually completed the model. Well, if you didn't do it, John, nobody would do it. If you didn't do it, nobody would do it. I mean, two and a half years. Ridiculous. Uh, somebody says, Steve, most news agents stop stocking these magazines after the first four parts. D says, why not collect lolly sticks and make the ship? I made an aeroplane once with the help of my father and it was a balsa wood aeroplane which had a propeller down the middle so what we had to do we had the plans I can remember I'd lost interest <laughs> for about the first day I'm afraid I don't I don't have the I have the attention span of a very small young person I I get bored very easily and we had the plans and you had to bend the the balsa wood bits, and then pin them to the table and glue them. And when we'd done that, we had to make all the different sides and then glue it together and then cover it with tissue paper. And then down the middle of the plane, there was a giant elastic band. And the idea is, and this had a wingspan of about five feet, we took it out onto the airfield where we lived and we set it off and it crashed on the first day. It went up in the air and then came straight down again. It didn't glide as we thought it was going to. It was a complete waste of time and money. I was so annoyed about it. And so ever since then, I thought I'd never do models. My cousins, Stephen and Martin, used to have hanging from their bedroom ceiling Airfix models of fighter planes. They would go and buy these little kits in boxes. Airfix made them, and they came with little paints, and you painted it. It was a boys' thing. Girls never did it. Boys, boys made them. And then you got some thread, and you hung them from the ceiling of your bedroom. So they had them all up there. I couldn't be bothered. I really couldn't be bothered. Somebody says to me, and these these parts, and you push these out. I had little soldiers that you twisted out of the box, and that was that. But I never painted them up. I, couldn't, I just didn't have the time or the energy. I was not interested. We had a train set which was actually quite nice, and I, I, I like the train set, but I never never got into doing the stuff that my dad did. He actually made a proper train set and made little sort of trees and bushes out of sponge, painted green, and put cows in the... F- I mean, it sounds dull, doesn't it? To be honest with you, I'm getting bored even thinking about the blooming thing, but I did like a good train set. If I was going to have a train set now, I'd have a huge one in the garden. Uh, or, yeah, we had Lego, but we, 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 weren't, we weren't a rich family. In fact, we were actually... We're actually quite poor, actually. I don't want to go into it now. It's a little bit sad. You know, we didn't... Uh, we used to buy sliced bread and then slice it again to make it go further. And, you know, my mother used to dress me at the Army and Navy store, you know, in Victoria. So I used to go to school dressed as a Japanese war general. And uh, and that was quite nice. Always got a round of applause from the other kids in the class. No, we didn't have much money. So we only had red and white Lego. came as a bit of a surprise to me to discover that you could get loads of parts for it. We just had a bag of it. And I used to make the same thing. A wall. I never made anything else in Lego apart from a wall. What a sad show. It kind of reflects very much on my on my life as an adult, I suppose. News headlines with Sam Pittis. David Cameron's expected to shuffle his... Ca- Biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Well, Nick, Sam Pittis doesn't believe it's going to hit 25 degrees today. I said it's, it's 25 degrees. He said it's not going to hit 25 degrees. That's what it might do. 80 degrees Fahrenheit, 79. Either way, it's it's pretty good. Although, as Lynn has just pointed out to me... Oh, good, she got it. Oh, bless. <laughs> as, as Lynn has pointed out to me, the mornings are getting darker. And she's, <laughs> she says, uh, 
<laughs> no, you confused me now with that one. She says to me, it, uh, we now know, Steve, as the mornings get darker, we're heading into your favourite season. And my favourite season is winter. I don't know why I like winter. I cannot explain to you, but I did the other day start thinking, can't wait to wear my winter coat coming in. And then I'm thinking, perhaps I'll have to buy another one or a jumper. And I'm, this year, I'm determined. We nearly bought it the other year because uh, Jay Louise was telling me about jumpers and she showed me a catalogue, or was it Joanne showed me a catalogue, which has got reindeer on the front and it's got... And I thought, I might buy one of these. It's not normally the thing I would buy, but I just feel like buying a jumper with reindeer on. But unfortunately, we'd left it too late to order in time for Christmas. So this year, I'm going to do it because my favourite period is when there is snow and it crunches underfoot. I don't remember as a child when it snowed falling over. I think as you as your young people listening, young people listening, have a better sense of balance than we do when we get above the age of 20. And so I remember going in my Wellingtons. I don't remember falling over at all. I was watching something on the television the other day and somebody jumped over a fence in an advert. And I remember thinking, that'd be, I couldn't even attempt to do that now. I could not even attempt to, to sort of even falling, even jumping off a wall. I couldn't do. I couldn't do anything like that. I've often, I mean, in your mind, you do it, but you know damn well you're going to fall over and crack your jaw open and at worst be taken to hospital. You can do cartwheels and handstands. But yeah, in your mind, you can do cartwheels and handstands. You see, any of these things that you do as a child, there comes a cut-off point when you can't do them. I think we should try it in the office with all the management, see how many cartwheels they can do, and sort of up against the wall, as they say. You know, but not, not really up, you know, with your sort of hands, and then you put your legs, like we used to do years ago. Like we used to do years ago. Everybody did it. I mean, you could do backwards. Oh, right. You see, I can't do things like that. But as we go into winter and the autumnal and the leaves fall off the trees and the road sweepers go back into this one again, sweeping up tons of leaves, it's jumpers, it's crackling fires, hot chocolate, crispy autumn leaves, cold blue skies, and then that first bit of snow and everybody go, yeah, your little nose is pressed up against the glass and you look down... And you go, oh, God, it's going to be hell tomorrow to drive into town. Motorways are going to be awful. I remember driving down a motorway once when the snow had just fallen and I was the only car. And I was so worried about driving too fast in case all of a sudden, you know, the car spun round. I've had that before. I turned round in Twickenham High Street a couple of years back and the back of the car started following me round. It started sliding. I went, no, no. And you're supposed to turn in. To the, uh, into the actual curve. But, of course, your reaction is to turn the opposite way. I remember the other year going to the markets on the South Bank and they had those lovely bratwurst and, oh, it was just, they had those, those lovely kaiserwurst, which is the, the sausages with the cheese in. Oh, one of those. And then get on the train at Waterloo. woo Oh, it was lovely. I love it. I can't wait. Can't wait. There's something about the countryside. I think my, my Christmas card this year is going to reflect the countryside. I like the idea. I mean, even even something as simple as a garden gate. A friend of mine's got a lovely house down in Essex, and they do have a gate that leads into a field. You can't build on the field because it's green belt, but it's just it's this old rustic gate, and it would make such a good picture with a red robin sitting on it and the top of the, the gate covered in... I mean, just really, just silly things like, well, how do you get the robin? The answer is you have to catch it, stuff it, and then glue it to the top of the gate. So it sits there looking a little bit worrying. Perhaps I'll get that one from the Mary Poppins program where she had those birds that sort of sang and it sat on her finger. I have a sneaking feeling it wasn't real. I don't want to expose anything to you this morning and I've just got a horrible feeling. It seems that Mother was right. Relationships that start slowly are more satisfying in the end. A study of hundreds of couples found those who waited to have 
S-E-X, were apparently happier in the long run. Oh, God, how boring. You know, there's, because my old argument was, and it was a long time ago, but uh, if if you if you sort of leap into bed with somebody at the first opportunity, I know it's a bit early for thinking about things like this, but unfortunately, at my age, you have to just think about it because there's very little else. And you, and you sort of and you, and you do that. Then if you like it, you can do it again. Whereas if you save yourself, you might do it and not like it, but you might have liked it with somebody else. So it's it's a bit complicated. It it turns out that uh, women particularly benefit for, benefited from not leaping into bed at the first opportunity. Apparently, marriage also seemed to make them happier than cohabiting. Really? Isn't that funny how people... I think people... I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm a fan of sort of marriage or if I'm a fan of people just just living together now. As, as they say, road-testing the goods. You know, that seems more more applicable, doesn't it? Well, you have to sort of... I wonder, actually... Do you think all the girls outside work were going to be waiting? No. Not in the slightest. I just think I just think it's a strange thing, isn't it? People get all oh, married, get married, and we've got a bot. And some people were engaged for donkey's years. And then some people... Like uh, that television presenter is going to get married after being out with somebody for four months. You don't know somebody in four months, do you? Four months, you can... No, no, it's um, that girl on the television who sent the... She was uh, working with Des O'Connor and she's now uh, Mel, Melanie Sykes. And she's getting married after four months. And I thought, you don't know anybody after four months. You need to, you know, it takes ages to get to know somebody. But, uh, no, it isn't deep. I think that's what you call infatuation at that age. It's not, it's not proper love. Proper love takes years. Proper love is, is probably what my, my friends Bryn and Annie have got. You know, they're both, let's say, they're both getting on a bit. Getting on a bit in France. But they're so, they're so together. I suppose it's really what a lot of elderly people have got. Barry Cryer. It's still married to the same woman. He was on In Conversation this week, and he was, he, was, he was wonderful. And then we had a couple of young people out in the car the other day, Andy and Zoe, and they're very young, you know, very young. They have a, they have a daughter. I'm not sure if they had anybody else, but just a daughter of, of 14. And we were talking about the trials and tribulations of having, you know, young children and watching them grow up. And I think you, you tend to become a bit more protective. With my godchildren, I mean, I've watched them growing up from, from little babies into sort of grown adults now and this is when all the hormones start kicking in and all the tantrums and you know everything else rushing right around your body and they eventually find themselves we all went through it and that's why I think people are far more protective of young people now than than ever before it's a shame that all the papers have decided to pick on poor old Max Bygraves the one story that Max Bygraves didn't want to tell you the public adored him but they say he had some troubling secrets but then you see he was in show business he came from a different generation. He was 89. He was, uh, he was unfaithful to Blossom. Everybody knew about it. She put up with it. She put up with it. She probably knew everything that went on. He said that even when he used to get in from the theatre late at night, Blossom would be there and she'd make him a cup of tea before she went to bed. Never thought anything about it because he was in the public eye. I mean, I, I wonder really... How much money Max Bygraves made? He, he moved over to Australia. I th- I'm not wasn't sure if they went there for for Blossom's health or his health, but she only died a short while ago. So I remember reporting it on LBC, and then the other day he died, and I remember thinking he was. I can't remember where he came from. I I, I, I need to go back into the archives to discover he did come into LBC. 
He did come in, not to talk to me, when we were in Hammersmith, because I remember him turning up, and I remember looking out of the window, because ours was one of those glass buildings that you could look out of, but people couldn't look in, unless it was at night time, when the lights were on. And he pulled up in his Rolls-Royce, which was MB1, Max Bygraves 1. And I often wondered, thinking, I wonder what happened to that car, or the number plate, indeed. Or, indeed, the number plate. But he, he turned up at LBC, but he was Max Bygraves, always looked immaculate. Like a lot of people, if you go to the Water Rats... That great show business charity. People dress up. People wear suits. Max Bygraves, you know, I'm sure wore a pair of jeans, but it would have been with a very smart pink shirt with a blue jumper over the top of it. They always looked at They were always on display. A bit like Huey Green. There was a programme on the television about Huey Green, presented by Victoria Wood, saying how, how angry he was when they axed Opportunity Knox. They brought it back, but they didn't bring it back with him. And Huey Green was responsible for the careers of so many people in show business. And then they, I watched another programme with Richard E. Grant. And he went to Pinewood Studios. This was in this Great British Treasures. It was a very strange thing to put Pinewood Studios in there. I didn't think it was a Great British Treasure. Anyway, it turns out that at the heart of Pinewood Studios is a country house. And it was a country house originally. And they still use it, and it features in films. It featured in some James Bond films. It featured as the Chaste Academy in Carry On Girls or Carry On Camping. I think, yeah, it was Carry On Camping. Pinewood was where they filmed Carry On Camping, and that's where, in the middle of winter, they had to spray the field green so it looked as though it was summer. All the cars had coats on. That was where Barbara Windsor famously lost her brassiere. And uh, Matron put them away. Take them away, I think he said. But my my favourite bit of that whole bit of Pinewood Studios, when he was showing you the house and he said, you know, an odd job comes out and throws the hat. Well, he did that at the golf course up the road, but the actual hat knocking the statue off was filmed in the corner of this house. And I looked at the house and all of a sudden it hit me. They mentioned all these films that it was famous for, except one. Mr Blunden. But which one? The amazing Mr. Blunden was filmed at Pinewood and they used the outside of, of the house. It was called Pinewood, incidentally, because it's in the middle of a wood full of pine trees, so they called it Pinewood. It's not very imaginative, I realise. But it was the amazing Mr. Blunden was filmed there as well. This is where the house was on fire. Great film. Great film. It really had such good memories. And the moment I saw it, it went, it's Pinewood. But which one? what the kids say at the end. It's very, really is marvellous, marvellous film with Lawrence Naismith and all sorts of exciting people in it. 25 degrees today. You better enjoy yourself. It's going to be boiling hot out there. And, of course, there's going to be extra traffic on the roads, the reason being the kids are back at school. It's the Paralympics still. I'll run down a little bit later on exactly what's going to be happening. And we'll come back uh, with some more stories from the papers as well. Lots of, lots of features I've noticed in the Daily Express today on Dallas coming back. It doesn't interest me in the slightest. I've got the box sets of Dallas the early years, but now they all look a bit older. And I just it just doesn't interest me. And I suddenly realised why it was featured on the front of the Daily Express and nobody else, because the Daily Express is owned by Richard Desmond, who owns Channel 5, who are showing Dallas. Mainly because nobody else wants it. Uh, there's also a story about Alzheimer's. Now, we talked about this over this weekend on In Conversation, and they say that Alzheimer's sufferers could regain their memory and other vital brain functions under a new treatment. And this is, uh, they say, a controlling drug which can restore memory, because the one thing we discussed with Arlene Phillips was the way of preventing dementia and Alzheimer's by keeping your brain active, doing Sudoku, doing, playing games, doing mind games, trying to remember things. That's what it's all about, to take away, you know, the other side of the illness, which is the thing that people find so depressing. But if you didn't hear it, 
Go to the LBC website and download it. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen. Dee says, when snow comes, the whole country comes to a standstill. Still, they can't cope. We do like it, though. I mean, it, I, I remember being off school when you, were, when you were a kid and you were on holiday and then it snowed. That kind of made the holiday worthwhile. When it snowed, because you think, we can get the toboggan out. We lived in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. Lovely. Just been having a look, says Gary Eltham, on this model site. Some of the boats go from £106 to a Balmoral cruise liner at £2,555 and 10 pence. And Discovery, 55 yacht, 4450 So order now. It's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, one reason for a block on photos at school is child protection. But uh, not in the way most people think. If the picture is shown around at work or via Facebook, estranged parents could accidentally find those moved for reasons of protection. It's awful. Just when you think of something quite... You think something quite innocent, don't you? This was the story of the kids in Twickenham who go around and they're all attached to this giant yoke thing as they walk around. There's about eight of them. And then the other, the other kids are in a little kind of towing... Um, like a trailer thing. They all sit there with their little fluorescent jackets on. I mean, it's just, it's the funniest thing ever. Every time I see them, I just can't help but but stare. Diana says, Steve, we started buying a magazine that provided parts each week that make up the human body. We got as far as a spine, a few ribs, half an arm and one leg before the boys lost interest and we worked out how much it would have cost us to complete the kit. Hundreds of pounds. This is the warship that's D'Agostino's latest very expensive advert on the tape. If you've seen it, they're beautifully put together, and you look at this warship, unfortunately it's going to take you two and a half years and cost you £800. You can, in fact, buy it cheaper, the completed warship. You can buy it online for about £300 from a, from a company who do model ships. That's what they do. So uh, now you know. Thank you, Diana. Hilda says, my new baby granddaughter born 20 minutes ago. Thank you. Says, good programme. Exactly, we know that. And what's wrong with our judges? First they throw out a guy, Steve, from Fiji that fought with the British Army because of minor motor offences. Now a man without full citizenship. This is the man you've just heard about on the news. And also bad news for e-cigarette users. E-cigarette users. I'll tell you about those in a moment because you know that June Brown is a big fan of e-cigarettes. These are the cigarettes that don't have nicotine in. It's vapour. It's You put a little cartridge in and, you, and you're blowing out vapour. You're not blowing out smoke, it's vapour. It's very good, actually. Uh, Nick says, you might have some luck with the traffic. I bet not many kids will be back at school today. Most teachers only are in for training first, and in Harrow we first see the kids on Thursday. Thank you. Now, I'm going down to Southampton yesterday, they've got the boat show starting. So the M3 is going to be very, very busy. Plus there were tonnes of cars coming in the opposite direction, and caravans. I've never seen so many caravans on the road. Literally. And all the people, I assumed, heading back... Because the kids have got to go back to school today. And that's why they're saying the roads will be particularly busy later on. So if you stay tuned to LBC 97.3, then we'll keep you up to date with just how bad the roads are going to be. Uh, Phil says, I love the pictures on the LBC website with Boris and Barbara Windsor playing volleyball. Yes, exactly. I bet Barbara's not played volleyball for some time, bless her. Bless her heart. No, there's some nice pictures up there. And uh, Anoring says, I'm not sure if I'm, my email just now went, the children of the little train look so cute, as you said. Shame you can't take a photo. Same at the swimming pool. You can't take photos at the swimming pool. And she says, 25 degrees, and it seems to get darker earlier now. Winter draws on. I know, I have. Thank you. It's an old joke, and I thought I'd repeat it. I don't, I don't mind doing old jokes on the programme. We'll tell you what Nick Ferrari's up to a little bit later on. Let me tell you about these e-cigarettes, because there are... Millions of you who are using them in an effort to cut down on smoking. The answer being 
you think, in smoking a cigarette that only provides water vapour, that it's safer for you. It appears not so. It appears, according to the paper today, the devices, because most of them are made in China, I don't think they're made anywhere else, can trigger changes to the lungs, despite the fact they're hailed as a safer alternative than cigarettes. The research comes after the government announced plans to tighten the laws governing so-called e-cigarettes, which come, as I said, from China. Around 650,000 smokers are thought to use the inhalers to help kick cigarettes. The devices work by tricking people into thinking they're smoking an ordinary cigarette by releasing nicotine, which is derived from tobacco and other vapours, but they don't have to undergo checks. Ministers are concerned some brands may contain very high levels of nicotine. See, I didn't think it was actually nicotine in these things, but obviously it is. So you're bringing in the nicotine. So I don't quite see how they work. But the... Addictive substance in cigarettes that's also been linked to cancer is in these cigarettes as well. There's also evidence that certain devices contain toxic chemicals. The government's drug watch, the Medicine and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, will make a decision next spring on whether to introduce stricter checks. Next spring? Apparently, meeting in Vienna, the European Respiratory Society's annual congress, have increased the fears. Researchers from the University of Athens studied eight people who'd never smoked plus 24 smokers, 11 with normal lung functions and 13 with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or asthma, each used an e-cigarette for 10 minutes before their airway resistance was measured. In the non-smokers, there was an increase in airway resistance from an average of 182% to 206%. In smokers with normal lung function, there was a significant rise from 176% to 220%. So the danger is, and we'll have to wait till the government now conclude their research into it, as to whether or not they stop these things. But at the moment, they're everywhere. You cannot move for full-page adverts in papers. They must be incredibly cheap to make. Because I've seen some... some, And I haven't actually checked the papers this morning to see if there are. But normally, most days, there are big adverts for these e-cigarettes. I've often said to somebody, if you're going to smoke, you're going to smoke. It's like, what's the point of of smoke, of of sort of uh, going for... Half-fat cream. Go for full-fat cream. It's not going to make the slightest difference. It really isn't. You ask people who who want to lose weight, and they will tell you. I spoke to a friend of mine last night, and she's lost she's lost quite a few pounds. And she said, "I've discovered the trick is little and often." I said, "But I told you that ages ago." She went out and she had Sunday lunch. She said, "But I was very good. I took the skin off the chicken, and I only had one of the roast potatoes, and it was the smallest one." And I said, "Well, that's the way to do it." Sounds like a Punch and Judy line, doesn't it? But that is the way to do it. Little and often, then you can eat six times a day. Uh, I totally agree with you about the X Factor, says Paul. Well, in fact, the figures have dropped again. I mean, not hugely. I don't know. that They're, they're making a big a big thing about the fact that it's down to 8.1 million. It's, it's not a huge drop. It's still 8 million. It's still good. And I totally agree with you about it. He says, if you recall last week, I mentioned the producers were concentrating on the backstage dramas rather than the singers themselves. This week, for example, we had single mum of two, Alison, who deluded herself. She was an ex-Madonna. Bad enough, she decided to drag the kids on to witness it. But worse, that the producers devoted 15 minutes of the programme to show her humiliation. My thoughts are both with the kids today, as it being the first week of school. Her son, who bore more than a slight resemblance to the young Prince Harry, sat with his eyes to the floor as Gary Barlow went on stage to give his mum a hug. Delude herself by all means, but the grief these kids are going to get doesn't even bear thinking about. The moment Miss Masson appeared on screen, I remembered the face. I'd seen her on stage with the Happy Mondays. (laughs) Two acts to please the ladies and several of the blokes too. Jake Quickenden, 
who's a lifeguard, bemoaning the fact the only girls he seemed to meet were 50-somethings, and the week's heartwarming story, Joseph, the 26-year-old tool salesman, who shared the fact that he and the girlfriend had broken up, but he loved his four-year-old, a future Peter Andrex in the making. After belting out a very good version of The Whole Lot of Love, we had the moment. As the music swells, the heavily tattooed hunk was walking off the stage, and yes, the little lad ran to him. The magazine company's most expensive title, incidentally, going back to D'Agostino, was The Doll's House. It cost, according to one of my customers, over a thousand quid. The first six copies of these part works are sale or return to newsagents. After that, if you don't sell it, you lose the money. That's why you either have to subscribe or get the newsagent to save it on special order. <laughs> and is it the beginning of the end for docu-soaps? Jersey Shore axed, apparently, as the cast demands became too much. Double prayers tonight. It may happen here. I never saw Jersey Shore. Is that the American version of of the, the one that we have. It's just a lot of badly behaved people, isn't it? Where It was the first version. That's been axed. And Mark Wright, I don't think they're going to bother with that programme. Even The Only Way is Essex is running out of steam. You know, how many more times can you see people who can't even speak the poor Queen's English stumbling through words and troweling on makeup and tottering around on heels? I don't, I don't know how much... Lo- because they don't achieve anything. How much longer can Joey Essex be the stupid turnip in the programme and Sam for ears and her sister with their stepfather just about to attend prison, I believe? But let's just call it a slight misdemeanour. Over a bank robbery, I think, wasn't it, or something like that? How exciting in Essex. It could only happen there. And he, he lives with them, of course, in the programme. I don't think he's featured as yet... Or perhaps he did, and that's when the police discovered that's where he was living. I don't know. I'm sure there's more revelations to come out. But I, th- I think the only way is Essex has run its course. I don't really know where else you can go with it. They don't do anything. We've had, we've had the arguments. We've had the fake relationships. We've had people shouting at each other, people crying. We've had Gemma Collins hoping to expose somebody as gay. We've had, we've had all sorts of... But, it's, but there's nothing interesting. Their lives are just really so empty. It just involves going to Sugar Hut, standing around and going, yeah, I don't know, do you like them? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. They like that. It's all amazing. I just, oh, I don't know. Jo- all right, Joey. Joey's here. And this is just the boys talking. I wonder what the girls are like. It's even worse, I'm afraid. Even worse. Um, some more stories in the papers today. And um, there's... <laughs> oh, lovely here. Feeling a bit overwhelmed. In her book, The Big Piece... Coach Susie Greaves suggests writing out your thoughts as bubbles on a piece of paper. But that, that was done Asia. I tell you who does that. Do you, do, you, do you use post-it notes at home? I do use post-it notes. I find them very useful for... If, if somebody's on the phone, you write something down very quickly. So I've got loads of them. You buy a pack of them, all different colours. And I do find them very, very useful. And then I discovered I've inherited that from Sarah, Duchess of York. Because she put post-it notes on everything. So I've now bought some for a friend of mine, and he started writing post-it notes. It's very, very addictive. The other person who is quite addictive but should be kicked out of the Big Brother house, I'm afraid, is Julie Goodyear. Julie Goodyear's turned out to be a bit nasty, but there again, she was never any different. She was always like that. She's 70. She's been rumbled. She apparently had a, had a row with Colleen, but there again, I think Colleen must get up everybody's nose. So she's there, and... Uh, Colleen said she definitely had a problem with me, but I'd hate to upset her. It really rocked her when she heard chanting. Ha <laughs> ha. So everybody else will be there. You've got Julian Clary still, Martin Kemp clinging on easily, Prince Lorenzo, and somebody called The Situation. I always worry about people who give themselves silly names. Bad enough, MC Hammer and all this kind of stuff. Real name, Edna or something. I don't know. And uh, you've got Ashley McKenzie. I don't know who, who Ashley McKenzie is. I keep seeing him on there. He's just a, he's just a young man who can't speak properly. Is, is, he, is he sort of MC Ashley or something? Is he? 
No, we don't know who he is, I'm afraid. And we've also got MC Harvey. MC Harvey. Or, who's he? From So Solid Crew. God, they were about... They were about ten years ago, weren't they? What right bunch of old has-beens. And now the poor so you know, we're so down with the street. What are you doing, love? I'm doing a reality show. Oh, my God. How times are so desperate. Even those hearts... It's like when Johnny Rotten went into the jungle. We went, oh, yeah, because you were so so real, weren't you? And so, so, so against the establishment. Then he started advertising butter and turning up in the jungle. What a drip. Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. David Cameron's to shuffle his cabinet as MPs return... 850, Steve, sorry, 850, 84850, Uh I just wanted to ask you, says Yvonne, if your sugar levels rise when you're on antibiotics. I've got no idea. I don't know. I mean, I, I, at the beginning of the show this morning, my sugar levels were way up. But I knew why they were way up, because I'd had a little bit of shortbread. And at the beginning of the show, they were, they were up. I started feeling a bit lightheaded. And so I, 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 do, I do get that. But at the moment, it's, it's settled down now. Whether it's the lemon juice and the manuka honey, I don't know. I can tell straight away. Yeah, I can feel it in my stomach. Yeah. But people always say that about diabetics. They say, can you tell when you're... No, no, no. It's sort of... It's lightheadedness. You start getting a bit sort of... Not... not I can't really put my finger on it, but diabetics will know exactly. So, so somebody will say to me, there's a, a guy called Mike in the building who's, who's, a, who's a, quite a bad diabetic. I mean, his, his numbers are all over the place, whereas mine are fairly good reasonably good. Well, I think compared to his, mine are brilliant. He actually goes to twos, and this is when you're testing your, your blood sugar. And um, I remember the other week, and I said, how, and he looked really grey. You know, grey. And I said, you're not well, are you? Went, no, I've not been really good at all. And then it turned out he was using the wrong needle size for injecting. It wasn't going in properly. And, um, and so we had all of this malarkey. We spent most of our time talking about our illness. But I said, I can feel... When I'm right, it's like I've had people writing into me who've said, I can tell you've got a sugar rush going on this morning because you tend to you rattle through it very, very quickly. And I'm quite good at keeping my my energy levels up on that. Mind you, walking up the stairs afterwards, I can become quite exhausted walking up the stairs. For some reason, your legs just don't want to walk in front of the other. I don't know what it is. It's stairs. It's like when you get to, to the station, when I get to... Twickenham Station. I've said to Brian at Twickenham Station, can we have an escalator in or something like that? Because I don't know how mums get up there. You know, if, if you're a mum getting off a, a, a train at Twickenham and probably the same at, at Richmond, they do have a lift there. We don't have a lift at, uh, at our place. And you've got to get a pushchair up there. Luckily, there are some very good-hearted people and they help lift up somebody's pushchair. If you're a mum with two kids in a, in a double buggy and you've got shopping, you can't get up the stairs there because it's only stairs. It's only due to the nature of uh, some of the students or, or helpful people who will lift the front of the buggy and walk up the stairs. I can't do it. I do my back in. Somebody asked me once at Richmond Station, can you help me up with this? I said, I daren't. I said, my back might go. And then, of course, you don't want, you know, you don't want to be crippled with pain because you've helped somebody onto a train. A bit difficult. Uh, 84850, uk. Sean has been on one of these e-cigarettes for three months. He said, it's marvellous. You can get different flavour nicotines. I'm on cherry low strength, but have to agree, some of the nicotine strengths are far stronger than normal cigarettes. It makes you wonder about the safety. This is the story that's in the paper today about the fact that in Vienna they've had a check at a respiratory conference and they think these cigarettes are harmful. They think, in fact, with actually, without actually saying it, but going in a roundabout way, they think they're as harmful as cigarettes. They can be bad for your lungs. Now, if there are millions and millions of people who use these all the time, then you have to think, why did nobody ever check them? Why did nobody ever check these things? So the government are going to check. And by next spring... 
they will have made a decision on whether e-cigarettes are safe or whether they're not. I'm not sure if people can wait that long. I'm not sure if people can wait that long because you do use them. I know because I've seen the adverts and I've seen people out smoking them because people like to pretend that they're a proper cigarette. Because I, but, I'm, but I don't know the addictive bit of the cigarette isn't the actual holding it, even though that's, that's quite pleasant. It's the actual feeling the effect of nicotine. I could have a cigarette first thing in the morning. I could feel the effect of nicotine in my brain. And one of the people who was at my brother's party yesterday, she's just stopped smoking. She's only done, she's only done two days of not smoking. And I said, it doesn't get better. I said, even after 10 years, I must have gone probably 10 years now without a cigarette. But I could still smoke one. I could still have a cigarette today, but I, but I won't because that means I'll be back on them again. And I'm not sure that I would smoke an e-cigarette either because I think you need to take away the whole, the whole cigarette ethos, the things that go with smoking, the things that you associate with smoking, the things that you worry about. And it's how are you going to actually get through a meal without having a cigarette? Because I used to, you, you would be smoking in a, re- I can remember sitting in restaurants smoking. It wasn't that long ago, was it, that the government decided to ban it? And you'd have a cigarette, the first course had arrived, and you put the cigarette out, or if you'd only just lit it, you'd just sort of knock the end off. So you could go back to it. The moment you'd eaten your first course, you're back on the cigarette again. I didn't really realise what food tasted like. Until I, uh, until I stopped smoking, and it took some time. So the e-cigarettes provided the, the solution, but you're still taking in nicotine, even if, as was pointed out a minute ago, it's cherry flavour. There are some nicotine strengths which are a bit, which, which could be a bit harmful to you, and they're made in China. I don't know what other health warnings... You, if they were made here, or Germany, if it was a German thing, or Swedish, or... or not, not French, probably, but German or, or Swedish. I could, I could think to myself, but as they're made in China, they're really cheap. They're not going to be using top-grade material. We know that a lot of fake cigarettes come from China. I would just worry that in years to come, or if next year the government go, we think the e-cigarettes are quite dangerous, all the people who are addicted to them, because you can be addicted to an e-cigarette in the same way, I'm assuming, as a normal cigarette. People are then going to get quite, quite worried about things. Although... Somebody's written to me here and says, uh, interesting research. I'm a cynic, I'm afraid, and I strongly suspect the research has been sponsored by a tobacco company trying to kill the competition. Oh, it makes no difference. People will always smoke. There'll always be people who smoke. It doesn't... I should imagine, you know, n- now that they've actually hidden cigarettes in some of the, the shops, it, I shouldn't imagine it's made any difference at all. I really don't think it's made a difference to cigarettes. Might be a few people, because constantly the government are telling us that you shouldn't smoke cigarettes because they're very, very bad for you. This is bad for you. That's Everything's bad for you. Tea's bad for you. Coffee's bad for you. Cream cakes are bad for you. Fried food's bad for you. Uh, alcohol's bad for you. Cigarettes are bad. There's nothing that's good for you, is there? Exercise is good for you. But some people do exercise then drop dead. So, as I've said a million times before, never see a happy jogger, do you? You never see them smiling as they're running down the road or happy cyclists. You never see happy cyclists. You know, eggs are good for you. Not, not many eggs. You know, and then they're not good for you. And then they go, oh, blueberries are good for you. Now, blueberries are not good for you. And then bananas are good for you, but only one. Mustn't have any more than one. One, one banana's good, but they've got potassium in it. Yeah, but you don't want to eat too much potassium. I spoke to somebody a few weeks ago who'd eaten 12 bananas. I said, you really shouldn't eat 12 bananas. Lovely though they are. And then they go, Chinese food. I was watching um, one of the chefs, James Martin, on Saturday, and he was cooking... So it's making my mouth water thinking about it. He did, he did a rather nice chicken escalope, which is where you take a piece of chicken, you put it on, on, your, wall, on, on your workbench, and you cover it with a plastic film, and then you bang it with a hammer, and it flattens it all out. And then he put it in Japanese breadcrumbs. 
well, I'd never heard of Japanese breadcrumbs before. And so I mentioned to a friend of mine laughing, going, oh, Japanese breadcrumbs. She said, oh, yes, they're called, and then she told me the name of them, because they shave them. There's a different way. They're apparently much better Japanese breadcrumbs, and you can buy them. So I was watching him doing this, and he did this wonderful thing with courgettes and tomatoes, and, and my mouth's watering again, I'm afraid, at this time of the morning, thinking about food, because I was thinking about cooked breakfast, and I was thinking sausage, hash browns, <laughs> could eat all of this. Scrambled egg. I would have to have scrambled egg. Give her the choice. Po- I do have a poached egg maker at home, but I don't eat... I, I haven't kept eggs in for the best part of 15 years. I can't remember the last... Well, in fact, even longer. I can't remember the last time that I actually bought eggs and put them in the fridge. I don't know. I used to have a fridge that had compartment for putting eggs in, and it had a little thing where you sort of kept it. And I, I just didn't bother. I think it was after the Edwina Curry scare that I never, I never bothered with eggs. And then somebody said, you know, you've got to be careful with eggs. And I remember opening one once and it had a dark bit in the middle of the air. I went, oh, no, I can't eat that. And then Hugh Broom, that used to do our, our travel here at LBC, uh, has a farm. And he gets lots of different coloured eggs. And they look fantastic. And I thought, so I, I bought one of those, took them home. But they were sort of smaller than usual. And they, they were actually quite nice. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of eggs. If I have them, they have to be cooked on both sides. If I'm having a fried egg, I don't want anything that runs. I can't do it. When I was younger... Runny, runny yolks were the big thing. And you'd get your eggy soldiers, and you, you know, and I was 22 at the time, and you do your eggy soldiers, a runny egg. Now, I feel ill. I feel ill if I watch somebody cutting into an egg and the yolk goes everywhere. I just can't cope with that. Funny, out of all the things. Anne says, if these e-cigarettes are dangerous, will individuals better sue the government to encourage them to smoke them? Well, they don't encourage you to smoke them. That's the thing. It's an advert, and people bought into it. So there, there won't be any suing going on. I think you just have to be careful. I think you have to look at the nicotine levels in these things. I don't know, because I've never bought one. So I don't quite know how they work. I was trying to find a, an advert for them in the paper today, because normally the papers carry the full-page adverts, and they're 20 quid or, or something like that. And, uh, and then you get the free this and free that. But there's nothing in the paper at all today about... And I'll tell you what there is. There is a stupid thing in here. It's a perfume which helps you feel so good it makes you lose weight. Can you believe that people buy into this sort of rubbish that's in the papers? I love, I love reading it, but I don't, I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe there is ever a perfume that can help you lose weight. But there is no adverts, as far as I see, for the fake cigarettes. But you're quite right, June Brown does smoke one. In fact, we did an in-conversation with June and she puffed away quite happily on it because she obviously didn't want to smoke proper cigarettes. She decided that she wanted to smoke the e-cigarette. But if we've got to wait till next year, till the government come back and say, yes, they're good or no, they're not good. Because I should imagine, if they've got nicotine in, how can that be good for you? How can how can that be at all good for you? And I'm sure we shall find out a little bit later. If you're one of these, these people who smokes the e-cigarettes, which, which ones do you smoke? And how, how nicotine-friendly are they? Uh, Kevin the Milkman got his first railway set when he was 12. He said, I'm still waiting to build my own layout at 48. When the kids move out, I'll have spare money in a spare room. Shame I'll be in my mid-60s then and probably not agile enough to make any models. As a young lad, though, my dad tried to get me into fishing. Hours spent bored on the riverbank at Dobbs Weir at Broxbourne. Still, he says, I have the groupers as my hobby. Good bit of loud, blaring punk rock. 18 degrees, he says, in the East End. Oh, I thought, I tell you, I thought fishing was the worst thing ever. I used to get taken out from school and go fishing with my cousin Martin and Stephen and their, their dad, my Uncle Bill. Bored witless. 
bored. I couldn't be less interested in fishing. If I caught a fish, I'd have to keep it in the water because I couldn't take it off the hook. I couldn't take not by myself. I'd li- leave it sitting there, swimming around, dragging my line further down the river. Oh, the most boring thing under the sun. My brother, unfortunately, goes fishing. His girlfriend, Marion, becomes a fishing widow, as far as I'm concerned. News at 6 is next. It's LBC 97.3. It's Monday morning. On Steve Allen. Morning. Little children back at school today. We're so thrilled. The roads will be chock-a-block. It'll be absolutely chock-a-block. And, of course, it's Paralympics. Busy day today. This is day five of the Paralympics. So the roads will be extremely busy later on. I'm all in favour of making most kids stand by the bus stop. Save an awful lot of time and trouble. Uh, Today you've got the swimming at the Aquatic Centre, the women's 200 metres individual medley. Uh, You've also got athletics in the Olympic Stadium. Uh, you've got equestrian down at Greenwich Park, the wheelchair basketball, North Greenwich Arena, the sitting volleyball at XL, and the uh, the transport tips for today. I pass them on to you out of uh, out of courtesy. Especially busy today. New school term starting this week. Many parents returning to work after the summer break. The public transport and road network networks will be much busier than last week. And what they're doing, TfL is asking customers and road users to take the same sensible steps they did during the Olympics to avoid the busiest times and places. And, of course, most of the, uh, the, the games lanes are operating, but they're flexible. So do check. Do check with, with, the, with the signs. You don't want to make the big mistake. They've made just under a million, I believe now, through people who have driven in the games lanes, thinking they can obviously get away with it, which, unfortunately, they cannot. Susan Bookbinder at 6.30 this morning. We're talking about Parliament returning, of course, after their little holes. Uh, plus the guidance for doctors on protecting children from abuse and neglect, which comes into force today and from today. Good is the minimum standard Ofsted expect from schools. They'll be talking to Sir Michael Wilshaw, Chief Inspector of Schools. Plus the Paralympics and the Shard. Yes, Prince Andrew is going... It's going to be taking him uh, an hour, they've said. I mean, could he not do it quicker? Could they not just push him off the top or then just, you know, just whiz down quickly? But I think if you're, if you're going to abseil, you have to... You sort of do a bit, you down a little bit. I mean, you wouldn't get me out there. Not in a million years. I drove past the Shard. We went past with Zoe and Andy... The other day, we were going, Where, where's the shard? Where's the shard? And Lou went, oh, there it is. And so we looked at and it, it looked high. I mean, it really did look high. In fact, it looked too high. You wouldn't, I mean, I couldn't even go up there. And they're doing it from the 85th floor. Even if I was blindfolded, I wouldn't do it. But Prince Andrew's going to be joining uh, David Haig's wife, Fionn, plus John... Cordwell, the billionaire. Is he a bi- are you a billionaire now, John? Good Lord, honestly. And a team of 37 others to take part in this charity abseil. Our reporter will be... She's not abseiling, I have to tell you. She's not... A- well, she, d- she doesn't know about it yet. She might be. Oh, dear. Nothing would get me down there at all. Plus, John Cushing, we're talking about the Paralympics and exactly what to expect. But I've given you the, uh, the rough down... Uh, the, the rough rundown of exactly what's going to be happening. Nick Ferrari, of course, after the news at 7 this morning... The former head of Scotland Yard's paedophile unit telling Nick why sex offenders should not be allowed to come off the register. We're talking to a 7-7 survivor about facing deportation. This is the story you've been hearing on the news due to a technicality. And how would you reshuffle Mr Cameron's cabinet? All that plus a full review of the day's newspapers. Today it's Mark Watts, editor-in-chief of investigative website Exaro News, who will be live in the studio. So, a lot to talk about this morning on LBC, and, of course, throughout the day. It's the Shard, though, isn't it? It's this huge... It does look nice. 
it does look nice, and I, I think London's skyline is changing. Not necessarily for the better. There's some pretty big buildings out there. When I look at this lovely book, which somebody sent me a short while ago, it's one of the guides to London, and it concentrates on Soho and Leicester Square. And, it, and you look at the picture of Leicester Square. So the next time you're wandering through, look up. Look up. Don't look at the buildings down, because surprisingly, the bit of the building that we're in at the moment is one of the original buildings from, well, our offices are, not this particular bit, our offices. If you look at the building that was next to us before, then that building has gone, but the building that we're in, which is above the wine bar, where our offices are, is exactly the same as it was in uh, in the 1800s. The fountain in the middle was there in the 1800s, and there's the empire at the back. Look up, look up. The big Alhambra is now replaced by that black granite tower of the Odeon, which is next door to us. And it's very interesting to look back at how London has changed. But look at the fountain and think, that's been there for ages. If, if somebody came back from the 1800s, they go, I remember that fountain. And there's pictures of where the, the Hampshire Hotel used to be. Very good book, just on Soho and uh, the surrounding areas. And the surrounding areas include us. Most children don't go back till Wednesday or Thursday. Well, that seems a bit stupid, isn't it, going back on a Thursday? But what sort of school would that be? They, they go back on a Thursday, have Friday, and then they're off again. No, 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 they go back Monday, today. Uh, private well, private school. We don't know anybody in private schools, do we? We don't know anybody in private schools at all. Uh, I don't think so. We asked, but not round here, I'm afraid. Uh, and one from John, who says, I don't know if you watched Saturday evening, but for me, the proms again excelled themselves and dominated television viewing. They're in-your-face Broadway shows offering surpassed last year's film musicals evening. And this alone made television licence fee worth more than the cost. So heartiest congratulations. Thank you, John. I'm sure they'll be thrilled. I'm sure they'll be thrilled. Lynn says, it seems a bit daft, Steve, that the law now has larger shops, such as supermarkets, covering cigarette counters, and yet the smaller corner shops, which youngsters mostly use, don't have to. Yes, well, I don't understand that. It's, it's the size of the shop, isn't it? Uh, Joseph in Kingsbury said, as a comedian, Dave Allen once said, if everything you eat and drink is so bad for you, Maybe you shouldn't eat or drink anything. Then, when you die, at least you know you're not dying of anything serious. I had dinner with him uh, once. A friend of mine was uh, on. He was on MasterChef. He was one of the competitors on there, and he cooked. I mean, he cooked well, and he would have dinner parties at home. And he invited me to one of them. Now, I'm not a great foodie. He was. He was very, 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 very good. It was all in decoration and the wine that went with the course. And he would have people like Bill Cotton who used to run the BBC, and Dave Allen, sitting in his little sitting room out there in the, in the Silly Isles, uh, Silly Islands. Silly Isles? Yes, it's, it's just up from Hampton Court. And uh, he was so good at cooking. Although I can't tell you anything he cooked, apart from, I don't remember any of it. I remember nothing. He would do a big table decoration, and people would sit round talking about the good old days. And all he was, he was just, he was just providing food, and very good he was too, very good. But he cut the tops off carrots once. He didn't want the carrots; he just wanted the top, which he deep fried just to make a bit of garnish. Very clever. I'm very envious of, of people who actually can uh, can cook and do the presentation. Gaz says there are two periods of uh, of when fishing is fun: before you get there, and after you leave. Yeah, I'd, it just it just did not do it. I'm afraid didn't do it. I gave up smoking seven years ago, says Jan, after smoking for 37 years, and never, ever do I fancy one nowadays, thank goodness. Oh, I'm glad I don't smoke. I'm glad I don't smoke. But I did smoke for years. 60 a day. 60 a day. Phil says, uh, isn't June Brown using the fake cigarettes? She is. David in Chelmsford says, dopey cigarettes, the e-cigarettes. He said, just just stop smoking them. 
Either smoke properly or stop altogether. He says, I stopped two years ago. And that's, that's, I mean, to actually stop, you could always want one. It's like being, I suppose, a, an alcoholic. You're always going to want a drink, aren't you? That one drink will put you back on them. And for the cigarettes, you can go back on and be as addicted as you were first time round. But there's, there's never a day goes by where I don't think, well, I could just fancy a cigarette today. But I'd, but I'd, I'd now put it down to the fact that I don't smoke, so I'm a non-smoker. Because I don't really want to go back on and go through what I went through before, thank you very much indeed. But some people smoke, and they're perfectly healthy. LBC 97.3 18 minutes past six. Uh, Kim Marsh has got married, a star-studded bash. So, in other words, it's a magazine deal, so that's why she won't know anybody at the wedding. It will all be there. I mean, I find it immensely... I suppose if people want the money. They say a £500,000 deal in a glossy magazine. We all know it was OK. Let's not beat around the bush here. Guests included Michelle Keegan, Brooke Vincent and Anthony Cotton... And um, one person absent was Jamie's nan, Greta, and uh, she was left off the, the guest list while the couple's cleaner was invited. Which is a bit, This is her second marriage. Nice to get paid for your marriage now, isn't it? Hope it lasts. Hope it lasts. And so they, uh, there'll be lots of pictures of famous people because OK will want to get their money's worth. And so if you have an OK wedding, you have nothing to do with it. They, they do the whole thing. They organise the venue. They put the security in. They organise the guests. They organise the table. They do everything. You have nothing to do with it. And I suppose if you're willing to sell your soul to the devil, then you're willing to sell your soul to the devil. Hollywood star Bruce Willis is planning to take Apple to court over his £40,000 music collection. He wants to leave his vast stash of downloaded tunes to his daughters, Rumour, Scout and Tallulah. But under the terms and conditions of Apple's iTunes online store, the die-hard actor has only borrowed the music and can't pass it on. Oh, right. Oh, I thought we owned it. Jim Killock of Digital Campaigners, the Open Rights Group, says, you can't resell downloads to friends and a lot allowed to leave them in your will. And it's great that Bruce is challenging it. I didn't know that. So, in other words, all the music on my computer from iTunes. When I die, it goes. So I've only borrowed it, so I can't pass it. I wouldn't pass it on to anybody yet, but it's on my Apple um, devices. So I'm assuming, well, you presumably can, can't you? You can, So you can listen to it on there, but I can't leave it on the computer. So in other words, I can leave my uh, phone to my brother... Well, in fact, you, you wouldn't leave a phone to your brother or any of those devices. You just, somebody would just have it af- after you pass on. And the music on there you can continue listening to. But the moment you plug it into your computer, presumably it can wipe it. Oh, it's a bit scary. There we are. There's things you don't know, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, don't smoke e-cigarettes. They're bad for you. And secondly, depending on how Bruce Willis gets on in court over his £40,000 worth of... What he's done is he's done the same as thousands upon thousands of you listening. You've downloaded music from Apple. But you've downloaded it, but you've only borrowed it. You, you can't keep it, and you can't will it to somebody else. So, in other words, it dies with you. A bit of a worry, isn't it? First I knew about it. I thought once, you, once you've downloaded it, you actually owned it. But you don't. The other person who passed away over the weekend, we should have mentioned, was the songwriter Hal David, who penned Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head and Walk On By. He was 91. Him and Burt Bacharach, I think, literally summed it up. I think they actually had the 60s and the 70s, and they had uh, stuff for... I think they they wrote... I think 
The Beatles recorded some of their stuff. Sinatra did some of their stuff. Tom Jones and I think Dusty Springfield. All of those sort of people recorded songs by Bacharach and David. And he was 91, a very, very good innings. And uh, it was good. His, his widow Eunice, who he wed in 1988, said she used to watch him sitting in an old rocking chair as he wrote words on a legal pad. I was very envious of people who can write songs. That's why I was listening to Cheryl Cole's new song the other day. Oh, it was rubbish. The words were terrible. It's almost like written by somebody who just sat there going, I sat in the studio and Sue came in and we looked through the window and we saw a train and a car. It was, it was as basic as that. There was nothing that seemed to rhyme at all. And I do like a song with a good tune. You know, I like to hum along with it, but... Unfortunately, there's very little of that in the charts at the moment. There's a couple of things I quite like. Uh, I, I can't tell you what they are, but I could hum them to myself in my head. I'm very good at those. Uh, more on this model ship. It's in all the papers. I should imagine now that nobody will buy this thing. Because you can buy it cheaper. I'm not, I'm not dissing a mag. If you want to go and buy the magazine, then go buy it. But I can save you £500. That's t- that, to me, sounds like the bargain of a century. If Steve Allen can save us £500, then very good it is. Who is the most downloaded English-language author? Surprisingly, it's Mark Twain. I would have thought it would have been Charles Dickens, but he's at number three. Conan Doyle. Arthur Conan Doyle is at number two. Uh, dog names in the UK. The most popular dog names. They've done a survey here. It's a, it's a trivial Bible. Which has, which has come out. It's the new edition of Top Ten of Everything. And so they've gone... So the top ten... What do you think the top ten name of a dog is? Alfie. Alfie! And apparently, if, if it's a girl dog, or as we prefer to call it in the NWS Essex, a bitch, it's called Poppy. Doesn't sound very rare. P- people call their dog Charlie, Max, Oscar, Archie, Bailey, Toby, Barney. Oh, Barney. See, not, not Barnaby. Because I think James Max's dog is called Barnaby. Holly and Jack. Most UK number one downloads. Rihanna is number one. Rihanna. Followed by Dizzy Rascal. Love Dizzy Rascal. Ooh, they're not Welsh? Oh, I like them anyway. The Black Eyed Peas and David Guetta. Who's very good. Beyonce is in there. Alexander Burke and other people. Uh, the tea, because who drinks more tea? You would have thought the Brits, wouldn't you? You'd have you've put your hands up and said that the UK were the tea drinkers of the world. No, 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 no. We're at number 10. We're at number 10. Egypt is above us. Because where you think... Egypt, there's a lot of tea drinking going on. Iran, New Zealand. Incidentally, I was speaking to a New Zealander the other day because she came to my brother's birthday party, and she's Matt, it's very confusing, Matt's girlfriend. And she's from New Zealand, and I said, a friend of mine had been over there and was very disappointed in the weather. And she said, yes. She said, people think that New Zealand is like Australia, that the sun shines all the time. It doesn't. It's permanently wet. Permanently wet. So if you're going, take a very large umbrella. Uh, number six in the tea-drinking places in the world, Ireland. Pfft, yeah, Right. More Guinness, I would have thought, than anything else. Not tea. Uh, Kazakhstan, number five. Number four is Russia. See, we're way down the list, number ten. Uh, three, Uzbekistan. Two, Morocco. And number one, Turkey. Annual cups per person in Turkey, 1,656. But I bet they don't have our stuff. I bet they don't have Yorkshire tea or PG tips, Brookbond PG tips. I bet they don't have Earl Grey. They'll probably have a sort of a different tea and it would be drunk without milk and sugar. I'm only guessing, but I suspect that's uh, 
that's what they do over there. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Don't forget, we'll have the free podcast for you up at 7 o'clock this morning. I've taken some stories from the Sunday papers. Not a great deal in over Sunday. I was a little bit disappointed. Lauren Pope said she was going to sue over the Prince Harry and somebody hacking into her phone because apparently she used to go out with Prince Harry. When that was, I've got no idea. Probably in her mind, I should imagine. Yes, I mean, perhaps she's got... Oh, so I think I went out with Prince Harry and he used to phone her or something. I mean, I don't know where on earth Prince Harry would ever have met Lauren Poppy from The Only Wears Essex. Good Lord. Uh, Daily Mail on the front page... £5 off your back-to-school shopping at JJB Sports when you spend £25. Uh, How Claire Balding almost killed Princess Anne because they're serialising Claire Balding's book. And uh, The Survivor, they're going to... Nick Ferrari will do this this morning again. I mean, a complete cock-up here. This is John Tullock, whose face, bloodied and bandaged, became one of the defining images of the 2005 London bombings. And uh, the Prince of Wales visited him in hospital and said... He exemplified the resilience of the British people. But he's now facing expulsion from the country because despite being born to British parents in a British colony, marrying a British woman and having two British sons, he apparently has had his his passport confiscated and fears he will now be forced to leave the country. Nick will be talking about that on his programme after 7 o'clock this morning. Some more texts and emails. David in London. He says the nicotine in cigarettes is not the most harmful element... The other 4,000-plus chemicals are the problem. Biggest problem about e-cigarettes for the government is that they're losing tax. <laughs> and uh, one here says they've now got the third relaunch of Daybreak. Yes, I think what's very interesting is that Ali Jones has lost a lot of weight after people made comment about the fact that he'd put on a bit of weight. Pfft. As if that worries anybody in radio, ladies and gentlemen. Heavens above, we don't sort of start programmes in the morning thinking, I must lose some weight before I go in to see various... But that doesn't happen, does it? Because luckily on radio... You know, as people will, will test it, we, we, we can look as we like. And we're all comfortable in our skin. In fact, we're stretching it out over the body a little bit more than usual every year. I myself had a couple of little shortcake biscuits this morning, but luckily I'm lucky. I can maintain my figure and add to it over the course of the programme, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, uk. Eggs are bad for you. But we eat cakes that are made out of eggs, so we're limited. Eggs were a good diet in the 70s, so what's good for you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all, I'm afraid, nowadays. Um, uh, one here, Ciliards, up from Hampton Court. Where do you mean, says Mary in South Norwood. That's, I think they call it the Ciliards. That's the roundabout up there. That's what they call it, just up from Hampton Court. You go along. I know, because a friend of mine lived down there. Um, are the LBC podcasts borrowed, says Phil? No, you can keep those. We let you keep those. We're very, very generous. We're not like Apple and iTunes. We let you keep the podcast. So if you go to lbc.co.uk, then you can uh, download all of them. You can download all the stuff from the weekend that we've got. And you can download all these celebrity podcasts because they're all available. And you can keep them and you can take them away and play them as often as you like. So my advice is go there. If you didn't download anything over the weekend, go and download things. Nick and the team will be with you after the news at 7 uh, looking and talking to the former head of Scotland Yard's paedophile unit. Plus, we'll be talking to the 7-7 survivor, who looks likely, as we said a short while ago, he's going to be uh, kicked out of the country. And it's day five of the Paralympics. And also, with the kids being back at school, the roads are going to be extremely busy. We're back with you tomorrow morning, as per usual, between 4 and 6.30. I wish a pleasant day. It's going to be 25 degrees today. 25 degrees, so it'll be extra button undone on the shirt, and uh, we'll all be out there, a little bit of sunbathing, don't forget to put some sun cream on, and uh, just just ex- show a bit of flesh, 
I think that's the way forward, I think, today. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Have a lovely day listening to LBC 97.3. And if you're just back from your holidays, horrible, isn't it? Talk to you tomorrow. Next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.3.